We have nothing to fear but fear itself. Apart from pain, maybe humiliation and obviously death, and failure. But apart from fear, pain and humiliation, failure and the unknown and death, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. That's a quote from Arnold Rimmer. My name is Gadget. Ladies, gentlemen, and variations thereupon, welcome to Modern Escapism. Welcome everybody to Modern Escapism, as you heard before. My name is Gadget, and I am joined on this week's episode with the hoopiest fruit I know. It's Stig. Hello. He's definitely the droids you're looking for. It's Dumakin. Hello. And lastly, we have the crewman with the red shirt who will definitely die first. It's Oodles. <laughs> Hello. Okay, so last week, Dumakin took us on a journey through the culinary world. We heard about his favourite foods, his trips to, to Sicily, and we even heard about Jeeva's fridge. The fridge, oh my so, god. Shudders. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when we go back in time, I believe it's Dumakin that actually has that for us. What have the people been saying on our food episode, Dumakin? <laughs> well, quite a few here. Um, we have nflem at n underscore flem. Great work, chaps. Very enjoyable. Even witnessed at nix underscore may laughing out loud. At the back failure in the kitchen whilst making hollandaise <laughs> but as we drove home listening oh my poor mate <laughs> louise slinovsky at louise slinovsky had me laughing out loud and also smiling lots at my own fond memories of my nan's braising steak gravy and chips preferably on thick white bread with best butter that melted and ran down your arm the best what was in that fridge though <laughs> Uh, what was of, in the fridge? What was in the no, fridge? I nobody. Was, you were the witness to the event. Nobody. I, no, I, I, I didn't see it. I it blacked out his memory. Yes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Nobody's ever supposed to find out what's in that. I fridge. were, I were envisioning listening to that episode. I were envisioning, uh, you know, the color from space, the Lovecraft. Yeah. I was <laughs> yeah. like envisioning like a magenta light coming out of the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Uh, the Real Rider at Rider underscore 555. Another excellent addition, fellas. I actually saw Jeeba's fridge sprout its own legs and scurry off into the distance the other week. <laughs> it still lives. <laughs> Kill it with fire. Uh, John Cheatham at John Cheatham 1. The discussion on adventurous food reminded me of the time I ate chicken sashimi in Japan. Something Ooh. I vowed never to do because of how risky chicken is generally. We were with an Osaka local, though, and assured it was perfectly clean and everything, and it was actually delicious. Lovely. I, I love trying raw chicken. Um, yeah, so I was just going to say, I, lo I, I love um, trying new foods, being recommended by somewhere from another place, like where you've been, and saying, try this, and you're like, oh, I don't really like that. And you know, I had a very similar thing with my friend when I went to visit him in Beirut, and we tried Lebanese food, and that was amazing. And the, the sushi from his restaurant, I was adamant. I didn't like fish, didn't like sushi. And he's like, just try mm. this. If you don't like it, we'll get something else. And now I absolutely love it. So yeah, yeah. I can uh, 
I'm a bit like I'm, a, I'm, I'm a bit like that, but with crisps, I like to try new crisps. <laughs> I feel like something like chicken sashimi. I think I might likely only try if I was in Japan. A yeah. bit like um, yeah, that... a bit like that blowfish. Um, John Cheatham. He also added, and on Mission Impossible, I actually think they have got better as the series has gone on. The last two or three are top-tier movies. If you want to see a secret agent run around shooting people and generally being highly conspicuous. Also, a really enjoyable pod again. Ah, Well, Tom Cruise is actually the best runner in Hollywood. He has got a really good sprint. He runs okay, everywhere. Well, yeah, he's, everywhere. He's, got, he's got a good sprint. You've seen him in uh, War of the Worlds, in the remake. He has got a... No, but that beginning bit... He's a good sprinter oh, yeah, in the beginning bit. He outruns yeah. the Martians. <laughs> <laughs> but the, 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 the point John Cheatham's making there is, is kind of exactly the point I'm making about Bond films. Like, I really enjoyed the first Mission Impossible film because it was a spy film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not Bond, a blow the shit out of everything kind of film, Bonds which is the problem tend I have to, with Bond um, films. They, they tend to um, change genres quite often, yeah. It's, it, can be quite, it can be quite jarring when you've got a like a casino thriller one minute and then next you've got some kind of weird global conglomerate espionage thing. It's, it's very weird on the next film. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Kurt Lewin at angry underscore Kurt. He tweeted as, he tweeted as a gif of Indiana Jones getting inside the fridge from Indiana Jones 4 and says, <laughs> Indy wouldn't be doing, oh, Indy wouldn't be doing this with Jeeba's fridge, even with a nuclear bomb about to go off. Maybe that was that fridge. <laughs> he also did apologise for reminding us that that film exists and rightfully so I've seen it what once is, is that is that the fan oh. made one that's the no, crystal no, skulls no. the crystal skulls yeah yeah the fan made one yeah <laughs> ooh <laughs> bit of a yeah. joke there and that is it for the uh, back in time section this week oh marvellous well thank you for everyone who listened last week and got back in touch with us we really do appreciate it when you do, when you do this. So you know, by all means, send us send us your tweets, send us your emails, shout at us, you know, whatever you fancy. We're now going to move on to the Nexus, where we get to talk about what we've done to escape the modern world these um this week. So we're going to go straight down. I'm going to pick someone at random. Stiggy, what you been up to? I was nearly struggled for this. To be honest, coming up this week, I'd watched a couple of films, didn't think they were worth talking about been playing a couple of games that I'd rather talk about once I'm getting close to the finish of them or finish them before I delve into them. And then last night, I decided to watch um, The Sweet Smell of Success, a 1957 Hollywood um, noir drama. Good film. A really good film, really good film. But it kind of got me wanting to watch a bit more of those old Hollywood classics. So I decided mm. to stick on 12 Angry Men. Oh, yes, good film. Yeah, so if, for those who haven't um, seen 12 Angry Men, um, let me start by saying you should watch 12 Angry Men. Yes. Um, <laughs> but the premise basically is um, 12 men on a jury who have to deliberate a murder of an 18-year-old boy who has been accused of murdering his father. Um, so... They are sent into this room to discuss this, and all but one of them votes guilty. Mm. One man votes not guilty, not because he doesn't think that the boy is guilty or not guilty, but because he has a shadow of doubt. And in his mind, he thinks, if there's any doubt in my mind, I need to make sure that this 
boy is guilty or not guilty before I sentence him to death. So the film basically kind of starts in the courtroom. They get sent into the back, and there's some of the some of the men in there are basically they they don't even want to be there, so they just vote guilty. It's like yeah, it's guilty. Come on, get let's get on with it. I need to get to the baseball game. They're not even bothered that they're going to sentence a young boy to to death. And this man then, during number eight, he then has to convince the others as to why he thinks there's doubt. And throughout the film, they kind of start to go over, well, what did this person say? What did that person say? That doesn't make sense. And it slowly but surely starts to turn people to his way of thinking that it isn't just an open and shut case. It's a there's a lot of things in there that don't make sense and they should and they should talk over and discuss before making a decision. Uh, the problem that he has, though, is that he comes against men who um, their guilty verdict is based purely on prejudice due to racism, classism, ageism, uh, you know, and there's others there with other deep-seated issues which you know play out through the film and kind of come to the forefront as the film goes along. But it's just a real masterclass of acting and um, directing. It's, you know, the the man who directed this, Sidney Lumets, it's his first feature film. And if you'd have told me that it was his first film, I'd, I would never have believed you. Because to yeah. literally. Cinematography is incredible. Yeah. To knock it out the park like that as, as your first film is just incredible. Um, he uses all these close up shots of the, the men. Um, they the sat in this room, it's really claustrophobic. There's a comment made about how the fan doesn't work, and bit by bit they all they start to become sweatier and hotter. And taking the ties off, taking the ties and the cloak <laughs> and, and the uh, coats and everything off, yeah. and just really getting like um, the atmosphere. It, it you know it's, it's um, palpable, isn't it? Starts, yeah, it's that you can visibly see it breaking the men down. It's like it's like a masterclass in tension as well because yes. the, yeah. the way the conversations kind of move back and forth and their tempers start to fray as the film goes on. Yeah, um, it. It's a it's a wonderful. I didn't realize it was his first film because no, I didn't. Beyond the cinematography and all that, like the character direction in it yeah. is incredible. Yeah, because like, he's got literally twelve cast members that all have to ratchet up this tension as the dialogue goes on. It's mm. and it must have been a hell of a job to manage. Yeah, and they're all like different ages and different backgrounds. You can see that, like the way you know, there's um. I believe he's French, one of the gentlemen in there as well. Yeah. So there's like, and one of the men is, um, he comes from a kind of background that the accused comes from. So, you know, there's there's a bit of prejudice there on him from some of the other men around the table. Yeah. They accuse him, oh, like, you're just, you're just doing this because you're one of them. Like, one of the men literally calls, he, he refers to the accused as them. They are this. He, he almost, you know, brings them down to animal level. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great rhetoric on the um, on the American justice system as well, like yes. the corruption, the corrupt side of it, and still to this day, it's it's there is prejudice, unfortunately. It's just it kind of shows the flaws in the system a lot that I still yeah. think are probably still there. That people are put on this jury and they're just they're kind of chosen because of their backgrounds and they'll to know. You know the the prosecutors will pick them based on the fact that oh we know we can get this guy to side with us just based purely on the kind of yeah. person this Let's person is. Yeah, get some middle class American men in white men. Yeah, 
and then let's let's see how that goes. Yeah, it's I mean ridiculous. the whole the whole thing is just it's just brimming with toxic masculinity throughout the whole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like some of the men in there are just you know they'll they'll one of them literally starts to call them old women and refer yeah. them as pansies and 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 or your bleeding hearts and things like that just because they actually are starting to feel something for this accused boy. Yeah. But but one of my favorite things about it is how um you don't see any of the court case. No, we, no. We, we see I, 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 when I first watched this, I remember not seeing the accused, not seeing the boy, but you do actually see him. You see a glimpse of him just before they go into the back room. But you don't, as an audience member, you have to make your mind up based on what they discuss in that room. Yeah, you don't, you don't get his character third person view. No, yeah, type you, thing. Don't, you don't get to see him. You don't get to see what it was like in court. You don't get to see any of the court cases or anything. Yeah, you you have to decide by the end of that film: Are you with these men? on their, what verdict they've come up with or are you against it because you know they put up some good arguments but they put up some they put up some flawed arguments you know mm, there's no it, get, it, there's it no getting around the stronger yes it, it makes it makes the drama that you're seeing much stronger as a result because you don't have any preconception of the court case itself you're you're literally seeing it through the lens of, of these these men and their own arguments yeah basically and there's been a it few Sorry, carry on. It sounds weird to say, but it's it's still like one of my favorite courtroom dramas that you never see the court. Yeah, but like, isn't in a court. <laughs> like you, you know, when most people say like I've watched they, like they like courtroom drama films, they'll think of um, a few good men and stuff like that. Or, yeah, um, there's been st- a few stuff- um, remakes of Twelve Angry Men that have been more involved with the outer court, the inner court case, and they've ruined. Like the essence of that original, yeah. yeah. Like there's, there's been a few with different names as well, but it's the same thing. It's like they set a precedent for this courtroom drama, the the dramatization of a courtroom. But yeah, I think but, the original's still top tier. It holds it hold its head high, to be honest. Yeah, the yeah the, the the original seems to work better for me, just in in terms of the ability to tell that story. It's even when like. You look into like kind of like legal t- like legal TV shows and mm, you get yeah all this drama in the court, but you never see the the actual jury deliberation thing. And I think that's more interesting than yeah, they're just bit characters. The, the just prosecutor background. versus the defense. Yeah, yeah, I think it's. I mean, there's no getting away around the fact that the man who jury number eight who comes yeah. up with this no guilty to start with. He start the way he starts to question things, and it's there's a lot of things in there. Well, well, this could have happened, and and it's like, well, it could have or it couldn't have, and that's what I really like about the fact that you have to make your mind up. Is his argument enough for you as an, as an audience member to side with that side? Yeah. Or are yeah. you on the guilty side based purely on the facts, like that have been not not the, you know the facts that have been presented in court that you hear about as you go along. <laughs> So yeah, I just think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, it's I think it's what like ninety minutes long, so it's not even, it's not a long film. It's definitely I haven't um, I haven't seen this film. Uh, what can I watch it on? Is it on any streaming service? Or it isn't. On Sky? Uh, no, I just um, I've got a copy of it, so I. It's about a quid in any DVD. DVD but yeah, <laughs> it's not an I'm expensive sh- film. I'm pretty sure it'll be on a it'll be on a amazon or somewhere like that you, you, anywhere you could kind of rent a f- digital copy of something you might be able to get a copy of it but um i think there is a blu-ray floating about 
think I there is. What's the point of a Blu-ray of a film that old? I've always said the same thing, but they still do it. Ah, but you say that, but um, some black and white films look like they were filmed today. Just yeah, they do. It's because of the type of filming. Like uh, I think yeah. it's, within that court case, it's fine when you start to go outside. Like it was the same with the sweet smell of success. When you start to go outside, you see the issues. But like in these closed sets and small areas, like the the filming is like it's crystal clear in some of these old yeah. films. Interesting true, fa- true. fact as well um, on Twelve Angry Men, and you can hear it in his voice. One of them's got this really soft spoken. Almost childlike voice. Turns out that the guy voices Piglet. Oh, wow. right. And and you can tell when you when you found when I found out that he was Piglet, <laughs> it's like, yep, yeah, all I can hear now is Piglet. <laughs> well, it's uh, Piglet's registered to vote. He probably will have to yeah. do jury duty at some point. Yeah, I, that's what I watched this week. Um, mm. I thought it was worth worth talking about. Very highbrow. It's, prob- it's probably up there with one of my favourite films, and I just I watched that other. F- Watched that other film, I just thought, like, you know, I feel like watching this. I mean, they both actually not, came out I the watched same. it at school. Yeah. I watched it in school, 12 Angry Men. I don't know why. I think it were a sociology thing type. Oh, we did, um, in English, they used to do that. We did of Mice and Men. Yeah. So it would probably be talk about that. I did yeah. 12 Angry Men in media studies for my levels. Yeah. It's a brilliant film to, like, for media yeah. studies. So that's me this week. Um, Marvellous, Stiggy. Uh, Doomy, what have you been up to? Been cooking up a storm? Uh, I, <laughs> I see have. what you did there. <laughs> that was last week, Gadget. Oh. Do you only cook one week of the year, do you? Uh, yeah, batch cook. This is cooking Massive part batch. two. <laughs> Meal prep for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, I have uh, been playing a game. I finished a game that's taken me three weeks because it was in three episodes. It was oh. Tell Me Why. You don't like Mondays? <laughs> I knew. I just want to bet with myself. I knew one of you was going to say that. I need to give him a red I card can't for that. Myself. Any, any, anytime I've heard someone talk about the, that game on any other podcast, it's just like, they'll say, and I've been playing Tell Me Why. And in the, in the back of my head, I go, and I don't like Mondays. Sorry. I'll shut up now. <laughs> is that song even in the game? Should it be. is not, no. Mm. Oh, that's disappointing. Mm. But, uh, so, Tell Me Why. This is the latest game from Don't Nod. Uh, ah, the, the, ma- the, the vampire makers. The makers of the vampire. Life is Strange series and vampire, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it it, it uh, tells the story of two twins, Alison and Tyler, who were reunited after spending the, uh, the last 10 years apart due to an event which took place in their childhood. Uh, the game is about them coming to terms with what has happened and unraveling the truth around the events, which ultimately led to them being separated in the first place. So, have any of you ever played any of Don't Nod's games before? Yes. No. Yes, I really like Life is Strange 1 and 2. I know Oodles doesn't, but... I really like Vampire. Vampire, yeah, they're the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) I have completely no experience with these, but I have played uh, Telltale's games, which are... I don't think they're as clunky as Telltale games. So it's... It's a narrative game where you're given sort of dialogue options to select uh, and your choices that you make and which uh, options you select uh, affect how the story unfolds and, in this game, the strength of your bonds between the two characters. And it's uh, with the Life is Strange games, each has got its own sort of unique mechanic in the game, like turning back time and making a di- different decision once you've seen one play out in, in Life is Strange 1. 
uh, in this game, there's it's the mechanic is like Allison and Tyler, twins. They've got like a supernatural power where they it's sort of like telekinesis, so they can hear each other other's thoughts and communicate that way. Yeah, that's the one oh. telepathy. <laughs> um, and one of the other uh, sort of mechanics in the game is they can see memories. So at certain points, a memory will trigger and you hold down the right trigger and you will sort of see that memory play out in front of you. So it'll go back to them being kids and it'll sort of act out an event that took place. And this will sort of work into the puzzles that you get in the game. So early on, you need to find the key to the house, your childhood home. And you know that it's hidden under one of these statues, but you can't remember which one. And then a memory triggers and you activate it and you see the kids playing and running to this statue where the key is. And then you just follow the kids. I mean, in real life, I just check every statue. There's only three. So why wouldn't you? I would need to trigger take, my memories. It would take no time at all. This is one of these things where the, where the, where the kids have the power, but there's no real ever, ever use for it. So they're just showing off at this point. Yeah. That's it. We don't have statues. to remember anything. I'll use the power. We're using the power. It doesn't matter that there's only three statues. We're using the power. Yes. It's time for power. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's quite hard to discuss the, the story of the game without giving away any spoilers. Each sort yes, of epi- I, would, I, would, I would please avoid spoilers because I actually do want to play this. Yeah, so got round to it obviously yet. each episode has got its own little cliffhangers and whatnot to keep you... The pacing of it is pretty slow. And mm. There's a lot in there I think that they could have got rid of. Possibly made it could have been le- less, two episodes. Yeah, less episodes, yeah. A, a more tighter story. It pulls together the last third of the last episode. It was really, really good. I really enjoyed that part. That's what you want, though, isn't it? You want that conclusion the, the, to be the, like the ending. <sighs> the ending was really good. One of the issues I had with this game is some of the dialogue choices that you make. I feel like no matter what option you select, in some situations, it leads you. It would lead you to the same sort of response conclusion, from the other character. Yeah. yeah, do you know what I mean? And is, is, isn't this a general problem with a lot of these games, though? Because I remember when I played through The Walking Dead, which again is not don't not it's tell telltale, but. The story has to go in a, in the same general path, and the choices that you Sometimes make will affect though. very minor things. Sometimes yeah. not. I've, I I've play, I remember playing, and don't judge me. I played the Telltale uh, Game of Thrones, and it's got like like three wildly different endings. Yeah, I did the Game of Thrones one, and there's moments in that where your characters just get killed, and you're like, oh, yeah, like, you will they, lose. They do them. it just like that. Yeah, it's just like the show. <laughs> you just kind of, oh shit, I wasn't expecting that person to just yeah get killed so quick. And, but you find out that they didn't have to get killed. Yeah, exactly. They could have been, then, you, they could have survived the game with you. Yeah. Uh, the, one of the other issues I had with it, it's, it's a similar issue, really. When I was talking about how you can trigger memories and watch them play out. So Tyler and Alison, the twins, will have a memory of an event, but the, the memories of it are both slightly different. So you'll watch Alison's memory of it play out and then you'll watch Tyler's memory of the same incident play out and how he remembered it. And Ah. then you have to select which one you want to believe. So it's like the unreliable narrator. Um, Yeah, yeah. you basically just pick But you're not basing it on anything other than who you want to believe. Yeah, Yeah, basically. (laughs) Who you like best? So so does that have a narrative payoff? Like if you say more of Alison's memories than Tyler's memories, 
does that have an effect on the end of it? It can have an effect on the bond between the characters. Right. So, mm. if so you there believe is kind one, of a point to it, but it's kind of, but it, it sounds felt a bit like yeah, ultimately really, you're just choosing who's got the best beanie on. I didn't feel like it worked really that well. <laughs> okay. Have you played Life is Strange 2? No, I haven't. I only played the first episode of Life is Strange and then I stopped because I thought it was awful. Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> Life is Strange 2 is, um, it does very similar things where you, you, if you do certain things, then your younger brother reacts to you slightly differently. If he sees you doing things like, oh, we're hungry, so I'm going to steal this bit of food he then starts to think that it's okay to steal. And that actually has ramifications later on in the game when you find out that he's stolen stuff from people that you're meant to have trusted. And and it, it all plays out. And I think, yes, it all kind of leads you to this one point near the end, but I think there's about six different endings and it all depends on how you act as the older brother around the younger one. And I, I um, turns out I got the bad ending. I seem to keep <laughs> getting bad endings. Because you're a baddie. Yeah, no, I don't think I was doing anything that wrong. I was just trying to, you know, I did. I wasn't mean to anyone or anything. I just kind of did what I thought needed. You don't to have to be to mean su- to be a baddie. You just no, a I was trying to trying to survive. I wasn't like, a, you know, I think. Mm. But yeah, okay. I think it worked really well in that. But it just it sounds as though it doesn't really have a, much of a payoff in this. How much did it cost you, do me? It cost me the price of a Game Pass subscription. Oh, that's not bad then. It is not. That's, no, yeah, I, I don't. I don't cool. think I would have. I don't think I'd have played it if it wasn't on game pass no but just because i don't think i had that much interest in... but it's worth a punt for anyone isn't it at that price. yeah it's definitely if you like the life is strange games it's definitely worth playing it's technically like a pound if you use the trial isn't it yeah and i have heard people <laughs> i have heard people say on other podcasts that it's the best one there's other um, podcasts apparently hmm See, I've, I've just heard different it's uh, from what i've heard from what you've said and what other podcasts have said and things i've read that I really, I really like Life is Strange one and two, but I just don't have the enthusiasm for this. I started it and I actually fell asleep playing it. Wow! Because it's, 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 it's slow, it's so slow paced. Like there was this cutscene, and I just, I drifted off. Maybe up, like, you're not ready for it. Your mind's not in that frame of mind yet. Yeah, it could be. Sometimes it's, that happens. It seems, it seems to be like it's the most inconsistently reviewed of the Don't Know games because I've haven't played any of them, but I know Life is Strange one was universally loved. Life is Strange 2 was it was little, not as good, people thought. And Vampire was robbed. Vamp- Vampire was robbed because the ending was like knackered due to time constraints. Yes. But yeah, this one just seems to be people either really, really like it, really dislike it, or indifferent. Yeah, but that's fine. It's, a, it's, that, it's allowed. You know what I mean? Overall, I enjoyed it, but I felt like it should have been a, a lot shorter and a bit more tight and compact overall. But it it came together nicely at the end. And like I say, it's on Games Pass, so if you've got that and you're into that game, I mean, it's the only way you're going to play it, really, because it isn't on a, it's exclusive to Xbox and PC. Is so it? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, don't nod with one of those studios that Microsoft bought out. Fair play. So, yeah, give it a go if you're into those games. If not, Maybe try the first episode if it's if you've got Game Pass. See how you get on with mm. it. So yeah, that's that's what I've been playing this week. How many how many uh, don't nods out of ten would you rate it? I would give it I'd give it six. Six don't nods. Yeah. Just above average. 
just above average. All right. Well, that kind of colours it for me because I was probably going to start that next week. Cheers, that, Doomy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, well, let's kick it over to Oodles. Oodles, what have you been up to? I've been on a um, mental and spiritual journey since last time we got together and spoke. Um, I don't smoke anymore. Hey! Which has been a weird, a weird transition in my life because I've got a lot more spare time. <laughs> Which, if you've ever quit anything, a habit, um, you've, you realise that, yeah, you save about two hours a day and you're like, oh, shit, I've got two hours. <laughs> what am I going to do yeah. with these two hours? So what I have been doing is um, basically going through my switch. So I've got a switch light and obviously all my switch is handheld. So I've been, I've, I've been playing a bit of um, Mario All-Stars. But I don't need to discuss that because we all know what Mario Allstars is. I completed yep. Super Mario 2, which controversially is my second favourite Mario of all time. Which is, Ooh. yeah, I just. I, it's not even a proper Mario. I love Super Mario 2. I know it's not a proper Mario, I know it's a reskin, but love it. That game confused the hell out of me when I was a kid, though, because you know, <laughs> it did me. didn't have the internet <laughs> around to, to no. look up why Mario game suddenly looked com- and played completely different. Why is he picking up just parsnips? Like, Why is, what is this game? Like, is this a Mario game? And yeah, it's just... Yeah, it's not. Re- reskinned another game with Mario characters. <laughs> Doki Doki so, Panic, I think. Yeah, but yeah I, I, think it's, I think it's really good. And a lot of the lore from Mario has come from Super Mario 2. So, you know what I mean? It's better you than know, the Lost Levels. It's a lot better than the Lost Levels. But yeah, I've been playing a bit of that, and I've been playing uh, a little game that I don't want to go too much into, um, but I've because I've been praising it since I started playing it. But a little game called Hades. Now, this game has absolutely captivated me. Listeners, he has not shut up about it in our private chat. Yeah, <laughs> the man needs to be stopped. Go. <laughs> I love Greek mythology. This is this it's absolute catnip to me. I I'm just well into it. Basically, if you're not familiar with Hades, um, you should be. <laughs> but basically, it's a um, a roguelike, which means uh, every every session on that game is is basically what gamers call a run. Now, to explain what a run is, it's you getting as far away from the start as possible. There are hurdles in the way, fighting monsters, uh, picking up uh, certain items, avoiding traps, but you're getting as far as you can into the game without, like, um, continues and things like that. You just go as far as you can. Uh, This game has turned that on its head. So with roguelites, you die, you've lost everything. I mean, we've all been there, haven't we? You've you've got so far in a game, you've lost everything. You feel like throwing the controller, or in my case, the console out of the window. Um, This game turns it on its head. Every death, every time you die, I'm not going to spoil the story, but every time you die, it means something. And I don't mean it means something in like a Dark Souls sense where, oh, it's a learning it's a, it's a learning experience. No, no, every death on this literally means something for the story. Like, <clears throat> which one, how many of you are, sta- are playing it at the moment? No, I am. I've got it ready to go, but I'm playing something yeah. else first. I own it as well. Thanks so, to you. Yeah, <laughs> good. Uh, so Gadget understands that when you die, it's probably one of the only games ever where you go, ah, oh, God, I've died. 
<laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, it's yeah. The, the the way the story's presented is like every time, every time you die, you get thrown back to the kind of the hub area, and you get more dialogue from the main characters, and then you start another run. You die, you come back, and you get a bit more of the story. And it kind of every time you die, it pushes the story on a little bit. Yeah. But I mean, I've put in about eight hours into it so far, and I've got the feeling that this is a pretty bloody big story. Like, there's it, a apparently, lot going it's, on. it's an average forty hours. Fucking <laughs> Which, hell! Yeah, wow. that's what that's what I, I go on howlongtobeat.com a lot, and uh, it say it says uh, completion is forty hours. I think main story is like twenty five hours. So you know what I'm like. I'm going to do the whole thing, of course, naturally. So it's going to take a, it's going to take a while. Um, but it's just it's just absolutely captured me. And mainly, it, it could have been any mythology. It could have been a made-up sci-fi. But the, the character art and the actual aesthetic of the world is incredible. It's, oh, it's a beautiful game. I mean, Supergiant, the guys who developed it, they're known for making beautiful games. But this, this is like the pinnacle of like isometric games to me. I mean, I thought Diablo 3 was the best of that that kind of angle, but I think this is, for me, it's just absolutely enraptured me. All, everything about it, the combat's fluid, the character, Zagreus, the main character, I love him, got a bit of a man crush on him, and it's just, the whole thing is just incredible, like, basically, you have to you have to make relationships with gods and deities, and you, as you're exploring the dungeons and trying to escape Hades, hell, um, you, you get you get gifts to gift to people, and then you're getting more law. You're always getting some kind of reward just for progressing, or in this case, not progressing. It's just, I, I honestly, this is like getting very close to my game of the year this year. So, I mean, heads up, it's going to take a lot <laughs> to beat this, and I will fight tooth and nail for this game. How does it work then? When when you say you when you die and it adds to the story and you start again, I'll, I'll assume with the same character. Yeah. You start the you start the run again. Do you, do you make you retain any items or abilities from your? your yeah, yeah. Run? You're you're always progressing. You're always you're you're always there's certain currencies and experience potions and all sorts of things that you find along the way. Uh, you don't lose. I don't I don't know what you do lose apart from progress. You don't lose anything. Do you? No, you, you you lose the gifts of the gods. So as 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 you work through as you work through room, rooms, as Oodle said, um, the gods up in, on Mount Olympus present you boons and gifts. Or as gods will, or one might be yeah. So one might be your main attack also chucks lightning if Zeus has taken favor yeah. to you, or Poseidon's ones push enemies out of the way, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you lose all that stuff, but as you go through, you pick up keys which let you unlock things. Naturally yep. speaking, yes. Uh, currency to improve um, uh, your home, your hub, because you have a home, yes. a bedroom, because you're an angsty teenager. Oh yes, health, naturally. <laughs> um, and yeah, the general currency or the gifts that you can give to um, other NPCs, which then improve your relationship, and they can give you like a one-off. Uh, sorry, um, like run-changing items and stuff like oh, that. Yeah, it makes the game easier. That that the more you befriend people and i don't usually like relationship type things in games but the narration and because there is a narrator as well but <laughs> the weird thing is zagreus the main character knows the narrator is narrating which is just hilarious oh, that's one of my favorite <laughs> that's one of my favorite features of the game when the narrator pops up and, and zagreus just goes will you keep it down old man yeah because i he says stuff like uh, you know i can hear you old man with with, with, with weird like quasi british australian accent it's such a good accent as well 
but it's just it's just so I like pure gameplay in my games. I don't you know what I'm like. I will rush through a game, I'll finish a sixty hour game in a weekend. But this has made me like appreciate the story and the lore and things like that in a, in a, in a, it is a pure action game. It really is. It's not turn based or anything like that. It's just pure action. You, if 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 you press the wrong button, you you fuck. You fucked. It's that simple. And it's 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 fast. If you've ever played something like I said Diablo, I, I know I keep going to Diablo, but it reminds me of that, but less RPG. Yeah, no, I get that. And like you, you're constantly mashing whichever your favorite button is. Like it's usually X and Y, and you've got your special. You can summon god powers sometimes as well. It's just and and the bosses. So the bosses don't change. So you want to run. Let let's say there's ten levels. You, every run you're going up a level, and you will always meet a boss, and it's always the same boss if you die and come back. But that boss will discuss the fact that they killed you last time, or oh you've got a new weapon this time. Do you know what I mean? It, it's never yeah. boring. It's so good. It's just so. I really good. want to know how thick the script is for this game. Apparently it's huge because I, mean, I, I, I I was a. Uh, I was on Reddit about it and non-spoilers and stuff like that, and apparently someone that's already somehow, because it's been out a few a few years on Early Access, but they've pumped 100 hours into it and they've still not got repeated dialogue yet, which is just incredible, because <laughs> it's all voice acted. It's just it's yeah. an absolute masterclass, and it's a swan song for this generation, in my opinion. It really is incredible. So I absolutely recommend you all to... Uh, Pick it up because it's it's only about fifteen quid, I think. It's available on Switch and PC at the moment. Yeah, it's twenty two on Switch. It screams it on- Game Pass to me though. It, it really does scream Game Pass. It could probably come out on that. So um, that's me. Uh, apart from my my adventures trying to get out of Tartarus and quit smoking. Uh, what have you What have you been up to, Gadget? So I. Oh, what? Ha- so I've been playing Hades as we've discussed. Yeah, won't go into that because you've said enough on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I finished Paradise Killer, which I talked about last week. I'm not going to really talk too much about it because that then gets into spoiler territory. But I will say, oh my fucking god, it's good. <laughs> fucking play that game. So many good so games good. out. So many. Oh, yeah, well, I was saying in the Discord before, like 2020 Bang started in. off. Like, <laughs> We'll take away all the real world shit that's happening. We're not talking about that. We're talking about games here. Yeah. 2020 started off really shit. There was fuck all. There was nothing happening for months. And then kind of the summer hit, maybe around about the time Paper Mario came out, it's just been banger after banger after banger. Yeah. All the way through the end of the year. Yeah. Um, and I am so, I'm so happy that I managed to play through and finish um, Paradise Killer. I actually kind of... I didn't even mainline it as well. Normally with games like that, I will try and mainline it, but I took the time and I investigated everything. And I am entirely satisfied with the ending I got. I'm I'm about six hours in, I'd say. I put about seventeen hours I put in in total. But like I say, I was being thorough. Yeah, very detailed on it. I've got both of these uh, games. Which should I play first? Hades I or would, Paradise Killer? No, I would say I would say play Paradise Killer first. Yeah, because, it's quicker because with it being a with it, well with it being a who done it. Yeah, there's no replay value to it. Like once you know who's done it, get it done. Yeah. You know who done it. Yeah. So get that rattle through that one, then play Hades. Because Hades you'll spend a lot more time. You can get Hades will carry you through to next year, mate. It's so good. <laughs> um so beyond that, I, I was I was in kind of the same situation as Stig was. I didn't really have anything to talk about because it's been like a really crazy week with work and stuff like that. So I haven't had much time to sit and watch anything or read anything. 
But I will point out that um, Tuesday I managed to go through the hell that was ordering of Xbox Series X. Oh, yeah, me too. And I kind of then just wanted to talk about the awfulness that has been this pre-order season for the new consoles. Hashtag clusterfuck. Yeah, clusterfuck, yeah. That has been my <laughs> word for it because it has been fucking awful. So... For anyone who's in, not into gaming, the new the, the new series of consoles comes out in November. Uh, the Xbox Series X and S come out on the tenth of November, and the PlayStation Five is the nineteenth. We get it yeah, on the nineteenth. Yeah, yeah, it's two days yeah. later, isn't it? Something like that. No, something like that. It's the following week. Um, Everything's happening in November. My birthday and the consoles. Listen. Yeah, big news. <laughs> Parades everywhere. Um, but yeah, so the console manufacturers let started their pre-orders over the last two weeks. Now, Sony fucked it up because Sony, they came out and said for a very long time, oh, you'll have plenty of time to pre-order. There won't be queues. Everything will be marvellous. You'll have a cup of tea. It'll be wonderful. <laughs> and they did the, the the showcase that we did the talks over for. And then, liter- and then literally like four hours later, oh, pre-orders are open, by the way. And the entire internet rushed towards it. And plus a lot of like that showcase kind of- was wrong. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of like a phalanx of nerds running at the internet. <laughs> and unsurprisingly enough, everything sold out in about 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, websites went down, yada, yada, yada. Xbox had already said that the following Tuesday to that, so the 22nd of September, was going to be the day that the Xbox pre-orders went live. And everyone went, well, okay, they announced it like three weeks early that it was coming good out. Prep. That the pre-orders were going to start on this day. You'd think they'd have sorted their shit out. <laughs> nah, not a chance. I <laughs> I th- I was going to try and order an Xbox through the uh, Xbox All Access thing, which lets you it basically pay monthly for a bit like a mobile phone contract. It makes sense for an to me. It's how yeah, I'd get it's it. It's a pretty good deal, but you don't have to pay any money down up front. And I thought it's getting close to Christmas. Yeah, the car's got an MOT due soon. That makes sense. Yeah. So I figured I'd do that. So I, there's two shops in the UK that do that, which is Game and Smith's Toys. So I was sat on the game website at eight o'clock in the morning. As they said, because the pre-orders would go live, nothing was happening. Uh-oh. And okay. And so I kept refreshing. About quarter past eight, it then popped up with like the stock on it. So I went, aha, click on Xbox All Access. Mm. It then put me into an hour-long queue. So I kind of sat there thinking, oh, I'm not going to get an Xbox here. And the, the thing, right, look, I actually started work. Like I just kept flicking between my laptop and my PC, just checking my place in the queue. So I start to work, and uh, I go through this, and the line goes all the way along, and then it gets me to the end. It says, pre-order your Xbox. Great! Yay! I've got one. So I went through, I clicked on Xbox All Access, I clicked on the Xbox Series And you X, got one? And No! Oh, <laughs> oh no, oh no. Because then it came up, came up, an error has occurred. And Shit! Because the way it, and it was like... Well, what do I do then? Do I refresh? No, nope, so I refresh. I lose my place in the queue, and so. But I then refreshed, and then the entire game website was down, and you just had this like <laughs> animation of cogs turning, saying the website has been taken down for maintenance. So I was like, oh my fucking god, what you, what is going on here? So digital queues are so, just as bad as real queues. Yeah, the only difference is you don't get COVID from them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so the um, yeah, that that was a mess, and it. Basically, all the websites that were handling it went down. Smith's Toys broke instantly. I've never been to Smith's. And what is it? It's like it's just a toy shop. Toys R Us. Yeah. Oh, right. So, yeah, everything just broke. Uh, Amazon sold out in like 25 minutes. As Amazon and then does. Throughout the rest of, yeah, throughout the rest of the morning, uh, things 
like stock came in drips and drops. I ended up getting one from, of all places, Very, which I thought was a clothes shop. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's a little catalogue for like knickers. Yeah. Yeah. It used well, to be they had the... like Little Woods, but then they expanded. Yeah. So I, I, managed, I managed to get one there because literally I was, I was about to give up and I just refreshed my Twitter and uh, uh, console deals, which is yeah, the kind of follow, yeah. popped up saying, quick, there's stock at Very. So I was, Oh, fuck, fuck it. Tap the button. Hey, look, I can get one. And I have one secured now. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was fucking awful. And, like, I was watching Twitter. And I will tell you what, and I know you got a, a bit annoyed with this as well, Oodles. Mm. The amount of people I saw on Twitter going, oh, I've ordered three of them. It's like, why? Scalping bastards. I'll call you that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, well, e- e- eBay then lit up. Hey, ex- guaranteed Xbox. Nine grand. For, like, nine, 900 pounds. <laughs> fuck well, that. Yeah, that like absolute scummy behavior like that, and I don't understand why shops allow like pre-orders of multiple editions of these things, which they know they're going to be in massive demand. Mm-hmm. Because you know, nerds hype. You know, and you're technically not putting it. the money forward, are you? Straight away, you're just getting a no. ticket to say you will yeah. pay it. So weird. It it really reminded me of that scene in um, Jingle All the Way with the with the bingo balls. <laughs> yeah, that's good. He got two! Yeah, he got two! <laughs> Give me that turbo, man! Now! Yeah, yeah it's... I, I got mine from Amazon. Relatively painless, to be fair. All right, um, show off. It just, it, there was no, like, building up to it. There was no listing for it. So it was just a case of refreshing from... Was it eight o'clock they went live? Yeah. yeah. Just keep refreshing and refreshing until one popped up and then it was straight in my basket and for the checkout. But I, I you know, anxiously awaiting that email off them saying, Oops, oh, sorry, yeah, we yeah. uh we've we've oversold <laughs> it. You, you haven't got one this yeah, time. But they've, they've already done that in the US, haven't they? There's been a lot of people who pre ordered Amazon and yeah. get emails saying, um, we might not be able to get one for you on release day. Yeah. App- guaranteed, but we Apparently might. Uh, Amazon Brazil have like like more than eighty percent of people aren't getting it. <laughs> it's that bad. So yeah. it was the same with, I mean, and that's the where the game, Amazon game, is. Game oversold. Game oversold the PS Five. They oversold their pre-orders of that. I thought. Wow. Um, I thought it would be the, the Series S, which would be the one, the hard one to get hold of. Uh, maybe it was. Maybe that. Maybe that's still the case. But uh, I thought that maybe the X would have been fine. But the but the the Series S, because of how, how good value it is, people would have been. All over that one. I think when the because the Xbox All Access is still down, you still can't order one on Xbox All Access wow. well, at the time of recording. Um, because that was down to issues with Klarna, which are the people who actually do the finance for that. I think when that comes back up, I think you'll see a lot more people ordering the S. I'm gonna get the S. That's the one I'm gonna I'm gonna put money down for. I don't think I'm gonna get the subscription. I think I'm just gonna put the money down if I ever get any money. Tell you what, though, there's going to be a lot of disappointed children this Christmas considering sales of the Xbox One, One X shot up 700%. Oh, I know. Oh, I saw I saw that. That. There's going to be oh. as plenty of people. It's just their stupid naming, isn't it? This is a Series X. This is a One X. This is a Series <laughs> S. It's just like, at least PlayStation is just, it's a one, two, three, four, five. There's you no, know why this has happened, don't you? Yeah. Cause because they ruined it by calling it the Xbox 360. They, can, they can't go lower numbered. Than that, it should have been the Xbox Two. That's what it should have been, and then we could have continued to go. But then, you know, you've got the Xbox Two, 
and then the PS3 at the side of it, and it's like, oh, oh this all is right, three. Skip, skip two. two, just call it the three. Yeah, <laughs> just, just skip, skip it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, that is that's what I was. What that's I such a, like a real week. life adventure that you've had from the comfort of your own home. That's like yeah, there's was, so much emotion I, in that you could I get you could it. literally. I, I hate those trying to get those things that you something you really want and it's on a ticketing day, whether it's a gig or a show. Or I've never done it before. I've never like pre-ordered I've do, I've, anything. I've done it, done it for gigs. I've not done it for like this is the first time I'm ever getting a day one console. Uh, it's the first time I've ever had the money to, quite frankly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I've I've done it for gigs. I've I've hated that. I remember when was it? it might have been 2007 when the Foo Fighters were touring. I managed to get tickets from there and the. That was like a sellout. In How much did they end up costing? They were expensive. So hard to get hold of. Like, oh, they, they, they were seventy-five pound a ticket Oof. in two thousand and seven. But that was they're one, they're one of the only bands that I will pay that much for. Yeah, yeah. I've seen I've seen them at seen a fe- I've seen them at a festival, but it's never the same when they've only got like an hour. I think I've it's seen them the about six times now. It was the, it was the tour um, for Echoes, Patience, Grace. Yeah, album, yeah, yeah. Whatever it's called. Yeah, it was the tour for that album. I saw them on, and it was just like, yeah, refresh, refresh, refresh. I've got tickets. <laughs> yeah, but the, but this this whole week with the with the pre orders for both consoles, it just really reminded me of the scalping culture and how much I hate it. I, I, I can't stand it. It, it proper just, frustrates me. People genuinely want this, but like yeah. eBay, like eBay stopped allowing gig tickets being sold on there. So why do they still allow pre orders for consoles? It's disgusting. Like it's to, to be purely disgusting. But also, yeah. I mean, it's not like. It's not like come launch launch day. That's it. There's no more consoles this year. They're going to get replenished mm. before yeah. Christmas, yeah. aren't they? These sh- so just it's wait. The smart if you've it. not think... if you've not if you've not got one, just wait. Don't go don't go to eBay or places like that. When I ended up going through the very, I, that was literally my last thing. I thought I because I was resigned to the fact that oh, I probably won't get one. I'll wait till after Christmas to get one because I don't need an Xbox Day One. It's just it would be it's a nice thing to have. And it it was literally I, t- I tapped on it and it was like oh I've got one so it was like the last possible thing I was going to try yeah but the yeah I don't I feel bad for people who are so stuck into the hype that they will pay over the odds from a scalper yeah and I, so I know you sometimes you think day one it's their silly fault because they've got money to to blow but it's preying on people it's preying on goodwill and stuff like that and I I just don't like it. But the best one I've seen, I'll, I'll I'll finish off my my bit of the Nexus with this one. The best one I've seen was there was a scalper who put his listing on eBay. Mm-hmm. He bought it from Argos and he put um, a screenshot of the confirmation email in. Uh-huh. Confirmation email had his postcode in. Uh- Some enterprising person took the order number that was <laughs> on the receipt and the postcode went onto the Argos live chat and said, I'm really... Really sorry, ordered this by mistake. I meant to order the Xbox One X. Can you cancel this pre-order? And they cancelled the scalper's pre-order just yes! based on the, on yes, the order number and Victory. the postcode. <laughs> that eBay listing was then obviously taken down quite quickly, but they couldn't get that back. And I just thought that is that is so fucking smart. Don't yeah. be a scalper. Just don't do it. Yeah, it's so good. And actually, I have seen a few people like trying to beat the scalpers. There was some post on Reddit when the... The new NVIDIA graphics cards came out and they sold out in like microseconds. Yeah. Uh, someone wrote a bot to then put fake bids on eBay up to <laughs> like thousands, thousands upon thousands of dollars with obviously the intention of not uh, not paying for them. Brilliant. And just 
obviously the obviously the eBay can then go to the second best offer, which would probably be a human, but it's <laughs> the idea of making it inconvenient for them. I like it, and I think that's yeah. It's like yeah, you, if you make it as annoying as possible to be a scalper, eventually they'll stop. If you're listening to this podcast and you're a scalper, just just stand up and look in the mirror now. And don't be one anymore. Yes. <laughs> right. Thank you, gentlemen. That was the Nexus. And we are now going to move on to the Big Daddy section itself. It is modern escapism. Ooh. And this week we are talking science fiction. <gasps> the greatest and grandest of all genres. Mm, some would say. That's official as well. No, no, I will say that. I'm the host here. <laughs> my word means, my word is canon. Love it. So we're talking science fiction, which is a, a genre very close to my heart. I adore science fiction, and it's been something that's been part of my life since since I were a wee one, since I were a little lad. Science fiction has kind of followed me around my life um, to the point where when I went through some dark times a few years ago, I distracted myself by writing a science fiction novel. Yes, um, you did. I love science fiction films, games, CDs, like albums of science fiction music. I love this shit. It's wonderful. And we all have different connections to science fiction in whichever way that you you want to define it. So I've got a few little points that we want to talk about and we're just going to let this conversation flow, but we're going to go around the room a little bit mm. with just the kind of the introduction questions. So I'll discuss how I got into science fiction first and then we'll go right, right around everybody. So for me with science fiction, I got into science fiction, as I said, very early, really, really young. I must have been maybe seven or eight when I got into science fiction because in a rather insane case of poor parenting, my parents bought the VHS copies of series one and two of Red Dwarf and sat me and my little brother in front of them and watched them as a child. Absolutely. <laughs> you said bad parenting. That's good parenting. <laughs> that I suppose it depends on, it depends on your perspective. Really. But, uh, yeah, we, we really... That was a big thing in my family growing up. Like we, so we had like the official like BBC released VHSs of of those two seasons. Didn't they come and in a lovely it, box as well, or did you just have the uh, the single? No, just the, just just yeah, just the single series VHSs. Because um, and, and it was because if you remember, VHSs were like ninety minutes each. Yeah, so usually. So, so it was four different videos for the for the two parts of each. Uh, it was two parts to each series, so there was lovely. like four different video. Cassettes. What a show! And then, and, and then as it was going on, my parents were like recording it off the BBC on a Friday night when it yes. was airing. So Saturday morning, it would be like, I'd go to my dad says, can I watch Red Dwarf? And they'd be like, oh, you can't watch this episode. You can watch next week's one. Uh, I remember that it was, a, it was the Polymorph episode in Series oh, 3. That was the first so one good. I wasn't allowed to watch because it, yeah. it was excellent, but <laughs> fairly horrific for a young yeah. child to watch. <laughs> so good. <laughs> So yeah, science fiction kind of got it got its uh, claws into me quite early on, mm. and I've always been interested in science and space, space especially. I love space. Like when I was a little kid, going to the library, it was always like getting the space books. Or, it's the final um, frontier, mate. Absolutely, I loved Star Trek as a kid and stuff like that. So it was fomented in me very early on, and it's been something that's yeah, it's followed me around, and I adore a lot of different facets of um, science fiction. So go on, Stig, how did you get into science fiction? Or what's your at least your earliest memory of science fiction? So I think my earliest memory I, I can remember is probably watching Star Trek The Next Generation like every single day. I think it was six o'clock in an evening, I think, yes. on Sky One. And because yes, I remember that. By the time I was old enough to kind of watch it and take it in, 
you were at the point where I think it was already a few seasons in, so it was just repeats for most of the stuff. So you, they obviously had the new series coming out every now and again, but the majority of it was just repeats, six o'clock every day. And I used to watch that all the time with my brother and my dad. When and did then, it start, Next Generation? 87? And then it like carried on till like mid-90s? 93? I think yeah. it's 87 to 93. I could be wrong. It's quite chunky though for a for a show, Sorry. isn't it? Because uh, oh, we were both we were both wrong. It was September nineteen eighty-seven. No, I said eighty-seven. All right. No, I said I said eighty-eight. Noodle said eighty-six. Yeah, you you guys are wrong. I ain't got a clue. <laughs> I've I never watched quiet. it. I've never watched it. <laughs> actually, 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 funnily enough, the day after we record this is its twenty-third anniversary. Twenty-eighth of September nineteen eighty-seven. It started. Oof. Excellent. Jeez. So a couple of years' time. There will be big uh, celebrations for twenty five. Then, right, won't no, there? sorry, not sorry, sorry. I can't count. Not twenty three. Oh, thirty three. Yeah. Fucking hell! Wow. Jeez. <laughs> anyway, so um, getting sidetracked. Yeah, I used to watch uh, Next Generation uh, all the time, um, and then obviously I'd seen Star Wars, the, the whole Star Wars trilogy. So for me, obviously, my earliest memories of science fiction was mainly based around space and technology in space and space battles and yeah, all that kind of thing. Yeah, distant futures and stuff like that. Yeah, and then obviously I moved on to from Next Generation to Deep Space Nine. But then we, you know, we also used to watch Quantum Leap. Um, oh, I love Quantum Leap. Yeah, so we watched Quantum Leap uh, and I think that's about it when I was younger. I, I, I ventured more into a lot of other sci-fis when I got older. A lot of the like, sci-fi when you were young, when, like, when we were younger, it were quite adult, wasn't it? It's, there wasn't that much family-friendly repeat shows that were on all the time. No, I think Star Trek kind of covered that. Yeah, so, it did. It really did, didn't there's it? There's probably a few themes in there that might go over your head as a child. Um, yeah. But in general, it was enough in there to enjoy and to sit and watch with your um, with your family and enjoy it. I, I mean, there's yeah. other things like um, we we've discussed this previously about how um, Jurassic Park is a sci- science fiction film, but it's probably not, f- you know, yeah, felt like that. Remembered as one, it's is one it? of my earliest memories of the cinema, going to see it. But yes, it's full-on science fiction, and it's one of my favourite films. So... I thought it was a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Life always finds a way. But yeah, uh, definitely Star Trek Next Generation is, is kind of my entry level. Maybe I should sci-fi. watch that. Is it, is it, does it hold up? Yeah, largely. Yeah, yeah. It, um, a, couple, a couple of the early seasons look a little bit ropey when you kind of boost them up on a big telly. But the weird thing uh, is, I've seen like the original stuff, a lot of the original stuff. I've seen the movies, all, all the movies. I've seen um, Discovery. So it's weird that I've, there's like a decade of Star Trek I've just not watched. You mean most of Star Trek? Yeah, that's what I mean. The chunk. <laughs> you, missed the, you missed the good stuff. That's what I'm saying. I've been watching the crap. <laughs> yeah, generally speaking, Next Generation is by and large entirely good. Yeah. Uh, DS9 is very good, but there's a couple of duff bits. What about in Voyager? It. Voyager, I love, but a lot, of the, a lot of the Star Trek fans don't like. What about Enterprise? No, no. <laughs> we don't talk about Enterprise. Well, I heard there's a few good things towards the final series. It's just a shame that the theme tune just puts me off. <laughs> what? What? Because it's this epic Christian ballad thing, it's rather than awful. didn't it have the yeah. guy from Quantum Leap in Enterprise? Yes, Scott yeah. Bakula is the captain. Yes, there you go. 
Secular. Uh, Doomy, what about you? When when did you get into science fiction? When did um, you discover it? Well, I've I've got a I've got a couple of older brothers um, that were born in like the seventies, so they were sort of brought up in like a I suppose like that sort of generation with uh, Star Trek and Star Wars and things like that. So I've just sort of been around those when they were watching what they're watching, and I've just sort of always been around it really. Uh, Star Wars in particular, I can't remember. I, I'd been jettisoned out of the airlock when Jeebus was talking about why he hated it so much, so I, I couldn't really <laughs> chip thing, in talking about you, Star Wars. But it's always been... I can't remember a time when I didn't know that uh, Darth Vader was Luke's dad. You know? Whoa, spoiler I've, alert! Spoiler alert! I've always, I've always known that. Like, that's, it's like a reference that's endemic in society now, isn't it? It's such a... yeah. Like I like I, I remember finding out that twist from the bloody Simpsons. <laughs> I, 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 think, <laughs> I think I, I found remind it me purely. how amazing that bit is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I found it purely like by watching the films, which not many people have. Like like you said, to him, and not many people have actually had that realization that oh shit, that's his dad. I literally went went in thinking Darth Vader had killed. Anakin Skywalker, you know what I mean? That's, yeah, I didn't, even know, I didn't know his name were Anakin from one. And from that, I, I watched a lot of series. Uh, like you, you mentioned, Quantum Leap. I watched that. Probably looking back, that was that'd be quite problematic these days. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of, of the problematic episodes. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, it, like, get, so I haven't seen Quantum Leap, but as I understand it, he's leaping from universe to universe, person he's to person, into someone, yeah, someone else's body, right? So I'm mm-hmm. assuming. He leaps into women and does some fucking weird shit. Yes. He leaps in, yeah, yeah, and different races and things like yes. that. So, like, Ooh. Ooh. he'll leap into yeah. a character and then he'll look into a mirror and he'll see his reflection and what he's lo- and the person that he's leapt into. Oh, dear. So, I mean, it's not a sinister show. Don't get me wrong. No. It's earnest, it's just, but yeah. of its time. Yeah, it's just not. It's probably one of those ones that well. like thinks its heart's in the right place. Yes. Yeah. Probably doesn't it's treat. Brain's not. Doesn't treat the, treat the subject as delicately as it should be. Exactly. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> I did a rewatch of it, but like I was in my early twenties when I did it. So. And also, um, in the in the nineties, we had the X Files, which I was a big fan of. Oh, that's oh, I do that, love the X Files. That's my Star Trek. The X Files is my thing. I was obsessed with it. I got all the magazines and everything. Is it is the X-Files strictly sci-fi though? Or is that more kind of horror mystery kind of thing? It's both, sci-fi. It? I, it's yeah, sci-fi. I think it, it, I think it's a, a bit of both really, you know. It's got aliens on horror tune. Horror in it. Science yeah, fiction. True. I quite like just monster of the week kind of shit. They, they they were they were always the best episodes, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. I, I I I maintain that is it is it squeeze from the first oh, season? Oh god. Yeah. Victor, Victor Tombs. I think it's Victor yeah. Tombs. Oh, yeah, Tombs, yeah. Oh, God almighty. Yeah. That, would, that still freaks me out. Like, I, I rewatched The X-Files a couple of years ago. So good. And, like, I was watching it on Amazon Prime, and we got to, like, episode four, and it's just like, squeeze, oh, do I want to... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just... I don't have any reference to the X-Files. don't know why I never watched it, but I just... The only one I can remember is a bog toilet uh, troll thing. That was the only one I can remember. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Oodles, what about you? Where did you start off with science fiction? Well, mine's mine's more of a, um, a strange tale. Um, Everything with you is a strange tale. Yeah, I've said this on a previous podcast I used to be on. As a kid, I was 
deathly afraid of aliens. Like, it was my fear. You know, little greys, little greys running around. Yeah. You know, when they play that tune. From, like, X-Files and so stuff never, like that. So you so, never bought a packet of Space Raiders? Oh, no, because it weren't, it weren't greys then. It was Astra, the woman on Space Raiders back then. So uh. get your facts right. <laughs> but, but yeah um i was just definitely afraid of it so what i did to be the the big hard boy i thought it was a man but i was a boy i um basically dove into it to like to, to to like pretend i weren't scared of it so i had alien posters i had i was always obsessed with it. i used to tell everyone i love alien stuff but really i was afraid of it which is so weird thinking back at it but yeah, I had I had blow up aliens. I had alien posts. I just had everything. So my family always bought me like sci-fi books and sci-fi films, and you know what I mean. They're just like, yeah, he's the sci-fi guy. And really, I'm like, oh, this is awful. And I watched a film called A Fire in the Sky. I don't know if you've seen it. No, I was I far too that. young to see it. I think it was a, um, do you know, when they used to back in America, they used to do like two part films. Not like it yeah. was done as like a two parter. Stephen King's It. Yeah. Uh, it was like that, and it's called The Fire in the Sky, and then they brought it over to England as just one film, and it's about an, an, a, a, like a real account of an abductee by aliens, by a spaceship, and they take him away in the spaceship, and they do awful experiments that are like a six, seven, eight-year-old shouldn't be, shouldn't be viewing. And there were proper little grey aliens, you know, big, big heads and big black eyes and just scary, awful things, little things and um like they brought him back down and the um he's all burnt and stuff you know the, the typical abduction story yeah but they always get like side of the face like close encounters of the third kind type thing and it terrified me it shook me like i had nightmares for weeks and stuff and then and i had to go and like confess to my mother and say like i'm actually really scared of aliens i would just been pretending so she went oh well, aliens can be nice, so why don't you watch this film called E.T. with me? I'm like, oh, E.T., I've never seen it. Obviously, this is early 90s. And that scared me as well. Do you know the bit in the car? Yeah, to be, <laughs> to be fair, there were bits of it. When I saw E.T. as, what, maybe again, seven or eight or something yeah. like that. And like, there's, there's a bit where, where, I think where Elliot first finds E.T. and he screams yeah. at him. Like, oh, God, that put the shit at me. Awful. It's awful. And that terrified me. And when... E.T. gets drunk. I didn't know what being drunk was at that time, so that scared me as well. What's happening? Why are they dissecting frogs? Why are they... Oh, awful. It just frightened me when he's all little... He's got his grey and he's in that tube and Elliot's dying and stuff. Oh, it just absolutely shook me. And for ages, until one film came out and saved me, it saved me from that fear, and that were Men in Black. So hey. I, I think it was like 97-ish, something like that, Men in Black. Yeah, 1997 for it, Men in Black. Yeah, and... and Obviously, I was getting a bit older then. I was close to becoming a teenager, and I was just like, fuck it, I'm going head in. And I came out of the cinema, like, cured. It's so weird, I was cured of it. I weren't scared of aliens anymore. <laughs> and since I've, have, I've always held that film in reverence, because it like, it's like my, my cure film. <laughs> it it, it yeah. stopped. So I just really dove head into sci-fi then and caught up with things. The most Sorry. terrifying of all the sci-fi movies, Men in Black. <laughs> well, yeah, but as a kid, a, right? What are aliens in that, it? That guy is... He, yeah, he's, Edgar. Yeah, he's like deteriorating through the film and his like, neck's all broken. He's all like... Rah, rah, like that's like... 
or, or it's like his skin's it's just Vincent like and he's an incredible yeah, actor. Yeah. <laughs> his skin's just like drooping off him because he's got like alien bear? inside him. Yeah, it's just like yeah, it you, cured ET me. ET scared because, you, but that cured you. Maybe, maybe you just yeah, really needed that last bit. Of... I was obsessed with um, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, so it just like it was perfect. And then obviously Will Smith went down this sci-fi route, Independence Day, and it just it just completely just cured me of it. And since then, I just. I'm, I'm like you, Gadget. I will just absorb that. I'm more into the alien side of sci-fi now, which is weird. It's so weird yeah. saying it. I can't believe I'm admitting all this to everyone again. But, yeah, that's that's, that's well, how I got into it. <laughs> Overcoming so, uh, fear. I, I, will, I will say Men in Black has always had a special place in my heart because it's just one of my favourite films of all time. I don't like the sequels. Um, no, no, no one likes <laughs> the sequels. But... Um, It'll, it it gained a new significance for me in this kind of last year since I met my partner Pip mm-hmm. because it was her her late father's favorite film and the oh. two of them have very and she has very fond memories of sitting watching it with him. It's so good um, and and like stuff stuff like Mikey the Alien from the beginning, yeah, and being able to quote things, and we we sat and watched it together last year and it was just this most wonderful moment like watching her. Seen that watch this film again that has these wonderful emotional memories for her and her being able to like rattle off all the quotes from the film better than I can, and I've seen it a thousand (laughs) times. And it, yeah, it has this now new emotional resonance for me. And it's, it is just, it's almost the perfect film. And when you watch, I think it is, yeah. When you watch the making of it, it could have been so very different, like Mm. the actual plot line that was there in the first place. It was supposed no to be a bit more sinister, co- wasn't it? Yeah, and they cobbled together like from the footage that they'd found when they did the first edit and realised, fuck, none of this makes sense. Yeah. They just fixed it in the edit, re-recorded um, a, a bit of uh, dialogue and some new subtitles, and that was it. And I think just, they pushed the release date back incredible. as well by months and months and months. Yeah, they did, yeah, just to fix it. Yeah, also, banging, it, banging theme tune. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Really good. Um, oh, oh, God, I've now got it stuck in my head, haven't I? Yeah. <laughs> just bounce with me. Play. Just bounce with me. Um, now, freeze. The second one was terrible, but Nod Your Head was a great track as well. Nod Your to, Head! Yeah. Yes. I used to love when Will Smith made like songs for his films. Yeah. It, it's such a 90s thing, isn't yeah. it? I'm going to be in the film, and I'm going to do the theme song. Yeah. That's yeah. how we end up with Wiki Wild Wild West. Oh. He never did I Am Legend, though, did he? He never did a song for I Am Legend. You know what I mean? It wouldn't have worked. No. <laughs> or, or Independence Day. Yeah. It is oh, it. Yeah. Independence Day. I just made it for him. <laughs> so, well, how about you, a millionaire, Oodles? I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why they turned down the role as Neo in The Matrix, because they wouldn't let him write the theme tune. Yeah. <laughs> it's Matrix time, baby. Oh, I'd have loved that. Oh, God, of all the boneheaded casting decisions any actor's ever made, <laughs> do I do The Matrix or do I do Wild Wild West? Oh, Wild Wild West is appalling. It is a sci-fi film, and it's a shite one. It is. It's also wildly <laughs> racist. It there's, is. There's a... There's a there's a, there's a video that I will I will make sure Oodle sticks in the um in the show notes uh, that Lindsay Ellis does. If you've ever seen her, she's yes. a, generally a film critic, book critic on YouTube. She's she's wonderful. She's so incisive. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I love her work. But she did a she did a video on um on Wild Wild West, and she goes into the kind of how problematic it is overall, and also how it is so different from its original source material mm. in so many wrong wrong ways. Um, but I want to kind of dive out the conversation back to so we can talk about men, men in Black and it's like where is your where does your favorite science fiction come from? 
Like what mm. is whether it's a whether it's a film or it's a book or it's a video game or what have you. And my answer is quick because I've already talked about this. We talked about this in the pilot. It's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It always is for me. Yeah. You give me any any piece of science fiction, any literary classic, any any highly regarded film. You can put War of the Worlds. 2001 a space odyssey and hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy in front of me i will always pick hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy because it is just wonderful it is it is and even the radio plays of it and stuff are fantastic just everything the about it came first remember yeah yeah that's what i mean uh, I, I even like the newer movie I, a lot of people don't but i liked it oh the new movie's great yeah is that the one with martin freeman is it? yeah, yeah. Martin i think Freeman brilliant plays a, plays a great arthur dent he does for some, and I don't know how he managed it, but Mozdef as a Ford Prefect is just perfect. Oh, yeah. Like he gets that, which I don't think, get, I can't remember who played him in the TV series, but he didn't quite get the same thing, but of being a creature displaced. Yeah. Because if you haven't read Hitchhiker's Guide of the Galaxy, Ford Prefect is an alien from another world. He is cataloging the Earth for the guide. Um, and he has, by pure happenstance and accident, become Arthur's best friend. Yeah. Um, after Arthur saved him from being run over by what he thought was the dominant species on Earth, which was a Ford Prefect. Yes. Which was a car in the 60s, I think. He was waving um, at it. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was waving at it, and Arthur <laughs> saved his life. Um, but yeah, Mosdef gets this ability to be in the room and out of the room at the same time. And I have no, I've never seen an actor do it as well as that. And it's really good. Yeah, and then it you is have, really good. Um, and then Sam Rockwell playing um, Zephod Beeblebrox is just brilliant. He he's, that... he's incredible anyway, I think, Sam Rockwell. Well, yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> Sam Rockwell hasn't done a bad thing. I don't no, know. he he's, hasn't. He's, been, he's, he's done a lot of bad films, but he's been the best thing in bad films. The only, the only weak link, I think, in that film is uh, Zoe Deschanel as Trillian. She's not terrible, but yeah, I know what you're saying. She's just, but she's just forgettable. But anyway, besides yeah. the point of criticising that, I love Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's my, <laughs> it, it is my favourite sci-fi property, and it's something that I will enjoy it until the very day i die so i mentioned i mentioned earlier right like i've got two older brothers and that meant you know the the one's just turned 50 so he's yeah i'm sure he won't mind me mentioning that um so he's 13 years older than me so that, that meant like when i was growing up as a kid the, the sort of sci-fi that he was watching was way too old for me like you you robo cops aliens things like that but I just wake up on a Saturday morning earlier than everybody else go downstairs and just be the video that he'd rented from the video shop. So that I'd just go in the the VCR and I'd something like scanners or something. Horrible. Didn't matter what it was. (laughs) So you know, I was pretty much desensitized to all the sort of horror and violence of (laughs) sci-fi at a pretty young age. Um, And I remember one day putting the video in, and it came on, and it was Terminator Two. Oh, and that. That was so good. I, I I remember I remember that day like so vividly, and I just just sat there sort of fixed on the TV from start to finish. It, it was just it's 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 one of my favorite films ever. It draws definitely. you in, doesn't it, with the intro and the music? Ba bum bum ba bum. It does. And, oh, and I'd so seen, good. I'd seen Terminator, and mm. I like I like that film a lot, but I just felt like. This as a sequel improved on it in every way. It does. The action, it does. One the action of those rare was so much better. Yeah, exactly. The action was so much better. Mm. I think the characters are better. Like Sarah Connor returning her character as like a sort of balder and hero. It's like one yeah. of the one of the, the great sort of characters in film. 
Yeah, um, definitely. The relationship with John Connor, young John Connor, and the uh, Ernie's T eight T eight hundred. Oh yeah, it's a sort <laughs> yes. of bond they form together. Um, and so it, good. It's funny because I when I when I watched this film, I'd I'd never seen any trailers for Terminator two. I don't I didn't know it existed until I put the VCR in. You know, yeah. um, but <laughs> no internet. I've, I've, since since I've watched the trailer. And I, I've watched the trailer for Terminator 2 since. And it, it, there's so many spoilers in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> like, really? up at, uh, for, yeah, because. It's got the bit where Arnie's, like, uh, holding John Connor with his bicep. So it means he's not a bad hit. Well, well, <laughs> well this is it. Up until up until the bit in the corridor in the arcade. You think he's a bad hit? I, I'm thinking, oh, it's, it's the T800 from the first film. He's the yeah. bad guy, Ernie, you know? And then I, I'm thinking Robert Patrick's character's. He's come back maybe to, to protect He's a new John. Kyle Reese. Yeah, he's a new Kyle Reese. Mm. Up until that point. Because you see somebody... You see, uh, Robert, the head. Yeah, you see Robert Patrick punch somebody at the beginning. Yeah. But you know, you, you, you see it from... You don't see him actually... He just punches somebody and drops him. Obviously, now you know that he's probably knifed him. <laughs> yeah. He's dead. But up until that point, you might think, oh, he's just attacked him, stole his clothes. Yeah. Uh, so that was like... A really big twist for me that I think must have been ruined for a lot of people by watching that trailer. Yeah, Arnie's back and he's a goodie this time. I hate trailers that do that. Absolutely hate. It. It's <laughs> yeah. one of my pet peeves. Just, just let leave it. Just give us enough. Yeah. Know that we want to go see it. But don't throw the spoilers and don't throw the main thing in the plot line. They in did there. it with. Um, they did it with Alien Three. It was like, and in the, in the trailer's like, everyone from Aliens is dead. Except Ripley. <laughs> it's, it's, what it's like, oh, fuck's sake. Now we know what's happened. What a waste of a Wait. film. So that's like one of, like one of my favourites. One of my newer ones that I've got a sort of a fond attachment to now. Like I, I've always liked this film, but my son's really mad into this film and its sequels, and I've watched them. I must have watched these films hundreds of times in the last couple of years because of it going on day after day after day and that's like the Jurassic Park films oh, first so one good. specifically because I remember it from, from my childhood being great um, I like Lost World as well Lost World's yeah. good Jurassic first, Park, first, it, after that it's diminishing Jurassic returns Park, Jurassic yeah. Park 3 is one of the worst <laughs> films of all time it is so bad yeah, and for Fallen, one, Fallen Kingdom's worse yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, it's not. It's it not. Is. No, it's, so it's not. What's Jurassic Park three? A raptor. It's got Pete Postlethwaite in it. It's got to be good. A, rap- yeah, a got- raptor can read uh, this tank is flammable sign in in, <laughs> in Jurassic in Fallen Kingdom. Oh, I yeah, think, really? don't start me. Yeah. Don't start me. Ju- I, I could spend the whole episode, a whole hour and a half dissecting in Jurassic that film, Park three. How Jurassic Park three. A raptor pretends to be like. Frozen in sort of formaldehyde yeah, or something. Oh yeah, there. burst into life. I mean, I know they were yeah. clever, but it's stalking. No, but it's girl. stalking. It's praise, and it's not making a sound just because we can see it through the glass. I will. Uh, I, I will. I will, <laughs> I will say, despite all the hype for it, I do think Jurassic World was fucking awful. Oh, is it, the it, first it is Jurassic bad. World. I didn't film. mind Jurassic bad. World. I thought it was a bit of a. She runs away from a T Rex in high heels. It gets worse. That's, That's impressive at anybody's standards. Actually, Oodles. <laughs> It is a fact that a, a man could outrun a T-Rex. In high heels? Oh, I don't know about high heels, actually. Good point. <laughs> I, re- I retract my previous comment. 
with I've only seen Jurassic World once, but I, I just distinctly remember watching through it and thinking, everything that the people are doing here is incredibly fucking stupid. Like, with, with Jurassic Park, everything went wrong because of a mix of uh, hubris. Yes. On, on uh, John Hammond's part. Yes. But also the fact that um, Wayne Knight's character Dennis. was... Yeah, Dennis was, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Was, was was actively sabotaging things because he was trying to get a way to make money. Well, that's the only reason it went wrong, though, isn't it? Because the yeah. mole. Well, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but like, no matter what they were doing to try and fix things, it was all kind of put into play because yeah. of uh, Dennis's character. Yeah. Whereas with the with Jurassic World, like they they have the, this whole new thing of the, the new exhibit being this megalosaurus or whatever they called it. Um, I say, like, at what point did anybody consider the idea of crossbreeding a raptor and a fucking T Rex? Because it's cool. Who thought that was a good idea? Because it's cool. Who thought it would? It be does explain that in the film that kids like Martif and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, they get bored of seeing this same t- the same yeah. dinosaurs. This is, this is a world fil- where dinosaurs exist. I- I'm sorry, but what, yes, but this, what... Is, this is clearly also a world where health and safety doesn't. What, what <laughs> child or person gets bored of going to that? How many times have you been to a zoo? I don't get bored of ever seeing a, li- a lion or a tiger. Mate, I, I love, love it when I see I a meerkat. I love seeing tigers. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> it's I incredible. Not, I would never, ever in my life get bored of being able to go and see a T-Rex. Ever. Exactly. It's, ever. It's, it, it, it's, it's mm. something that has been, in that world, that has been brought from extinction that hasn't existed for millions upon millions upon millions of years. Why do you feel the need to fuck around with it like that? Life what, always finds a way. It gets worse, though, doesn't it? Because Fallen Kingdom gets even worse on that premise. Yeah. There's that is, sad is, bit is, as well. Is, when that where they're when... selling them as weapons or something like that? Yeah. yeah. That's what right. The worst thing about that one is just you can hold a gun and point a laser and the new dino raptor thing will, will attack that person. I mean, if you're close enough to point the laser at a man, just fucking yeah, shoot, just him. Gonna, yeah, shoot, <laughs> shoot him. Yeah, shoot him. <laughs> bullets are very effective. You ones are allergic to bullets. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, I love, I love Jurassic Park. I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite films of all time. It's endlessly quotable. The music is amazing. Um, I do enjoy yeah. The Lost World as well. Um, for some of the faults mm. it has, I still think it, it holds up pretty well. But I, I, I will say for three, I do like the aviary sequence with the um, the oh yeah, yeah, because yeah. the pterodactyl house kind of thing. Yeah, I like that. that. Bit. Ninety percent of the movie is a bit shit. I want. I don't want to say it's a bad film, but it's just a bit shit throughout all of it. It's just not good enough. Oh, I, mm. I really, I watch really it. do like that. Watch it now. System. Watch it now. Shite. It is, it shite. is so remember bad. The, remember <laughs> the remember that cool bit where a raptor flies a plane, but it's just his dream. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he turns and talks to him. Alan. Alan. <laughs> oh, that bit when the when the when the firing tranquilizer darts at a triceratops's face. It just doesn't make any sense. It's it's not going to work. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean. To be fair, in the grand scheme of things, are very silly films. I think the books of uh, they Completely have a different, different tone to them. Yeah, yeah. it's Crichton, isn't it? He he did it. Yeah. It's very different. It's more along the lines of uh, Westworld type thing. I feel like we derailed you there a bit, do we? Because we're just like rant- ranting about how bad the other films are. Jurassic <laughs> oh no, no, I, no! I'm fine as long as we agree that the first one's a masterpiece. Oh yeah, it is absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you- perfect. It's Spielberg's ones. best film, in my opinion. Jeebus, let us know what you think. Jeebus probably hates it. Oodles, come on, what was yours? Did you have yours? Uh, not, not yet. Um, I've got two films that really like... like the, One, I just love it for its story, and another, I love it for its style. 
So we'll go for yeah. style first. I really love Fifth Element. Oh, I do love Fifth Element. Yeah. It just it, everything and and I watched that by accident. It was just on BBC Two one night. Multipass. And I thought, yeah, yeah. I just, <laughs> and I watched. It, I was like, it's another one of those films that's eminently quotable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. It's, and like, I, 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 I like, I like Bruce most Willis. of Ruby Rod's dialogue in my head. Oh, God. <laughs> Tucker is so good. He is so good Love in that it. film. <laughs> one of, I think it's one of his best roles. But um, yeah, I watched it and I was like, oh my God, this is like a fashion show as well as a, a cool sci fi premise. Like, I think it's Luke Besson that uh, directed it. I think it's someone. I think it's him, French yeah, director. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, it's Luke Besson who directed it. The. Um... Uh, oh shit! It, it was actually a fashion designer who did who did the costumes for it. Yeah, you can tell, and it's just it was it? Scene... was it Jean Paul Gaultier? No, it I don't think it was him. I it think now. it was. He might be actually. He's it, he's a French one probably, but it's it's very. Uh, yeah, it was a Jean Paul Gaultier. Well, brilliant! What a what a boy! Um, but yeah, the scene with the the opera and stuff like that, and just like New York, and it just blew me up. I was like, what the. F- what is this? And I'd never even heard of it. And I just put it, and I'm like, and ever since I, I watch it every year, at least, yeah. at least once or twice. I, it's just good, and it's corny, and it's deliberate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and and, and it's, the, it's, it's like a pulpy comic book. Yeah, and mm. why why has that world never been explored since? It's, it baffles me because because if you be. if you have seen if you have seen Valerian. You will you will realize that Luke Besson knows fuck all about how to do good sci-fi. Yeah, and the film I, it was a fluke. I have seen I have seen Valerian, and that is an absolute ugh, garbage fire. It's ridiculous yeah. that film. But like the the the, the fifth the, the fifth element, I every time I watch it, I do feel like there's like a lot of, a lot of stuff cut out of it because it moves along at such a pace and from scene yeah. to scene very quickly and lots of time jumps. But what you do get on the screen is utter. There's not a bad frame in there. There isn't. Film. It's so every good. shot is perfect. Every special effect is perfect. Mm. I love uh, Gary Oldman as oh, Zorg. He's so good. He's so good when he gets pissed off and the oil's coming down his face and stuff. When the voice yeah, is it's... talking to him. Oh my god. Yeah. And literally, it's it's only like the the voice of the darkness is yeah. literally the only point of the film that I can't define. I don't think the he's I know you're not supposed to, and that's just the one thing that pisses me off about it. It's just like, <laughs> why is Zorg working with this? Because if it's supposed to end all life in the galaxy, surely that's going to end his life as well. Oh, so oh what no. is the point of... Yeah, exactly. It's, it's it, at least he's going to die like looking absolutely fabulous, because, wow. <laughs> Maybe it's meant to be <laughs> like the... a more of a mind control thing. Yeah, yeah. potentially, yeah. potentially. But, but it's just it's just an all-down... It's got a bit of a, a Titanic edge to it as well, with the crews and stuff. It's just... Yeah. It goes to so many places, and Bruce Willis in it is he's brilliant because he doesn't want to be there. Like, notoriously, he's a terrible person in real life. You can tell he never wants to be on set of anything, and that works for Carbon Dallas. He doesn't want to be there, and it's perfect. The, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I like the fact that Dallas doesn't have any agency in the story because he doesn't want any agency. Yeah, in the story. he didn't want He's to be just disturbed. Going from place to place. He was, it, she, Lilu literally crashed into his taxi cab. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like <laughs> shit. almost Set like he's his... good at playing the wrong, being the man in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, he, he's in a, another <laughs> little. Very much like film. the last Boy Scout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's another film that escapes my mind. 
Yeah, <laughs> Ad with a Vengeance, I think it's called. <laughs> oh, there we got it, an hour and a half in. <laughs> but yeah, the um, yeah, I, I adore the Fifth Element, and the, mm. the the opera scene with the uh, Plava Laguna is just oh, it's beautiful. beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So the second it is a, it's a, another film, um, and I've actually realised now. I think I've got an underlying obsession with fashion, and not realising it because the second film that really speaks to me and I, I kind of obsessed with is a, a little uh, indie film called uh, The Matrix. I don't know if you've you've heard of it. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit under the radar for me. I'm yeah, uh, it's um, quite avant-garde in its um, delivery. Um, now, let me just add this before we go any further. There's only one Matrix film in my eyes. Yes, I've heard that. Yeah. Um, There's a couple uh, of fun, fun, fun mix, you know, like the Indiana yeah. Jones film. A couple of... Fun- yeah, <laughs> fan that, fan like, made sequels, right? Fan fiction, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm not into that that much, but yeah, I, the Matrix for me, um, it came at a time where I was trying to find my own goth identity because it's well documented that I was a bit of a goth. And if you look at everyone in the Matrix, they're all a little bit of a goth. <laughs> so <laughs> it just it, it absolutely worked for me. I, I was like, "Ooh, I like this." Um, De- definitely plays on that aesthetic, doesn't it? With the, the yeah, definitely and the black, and yeah. everything. And it just, it do, just do, do you remember there being a lot of trench coats around town after that film came out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, what do you think I did when I went when I watched it? I went out and bought one. Coat too did. too long for me as well. <laughs> just dragging across the puddles <laughs> with my jet black hair. Um, but yeah, it just, um, I don't know, there was something about, it was the first film I actually went to see and then came out and went to see it again because I needed to see it again because a lot of people, The Matrix, when they were I don't understand it, I just don't understand it, but it's actually quite simple. It's, it's like reality is not reality. That's the simple premise of The Matrix. It's, it's, it is really simple. Have you seen what the Wachowskis have put out about their intent for the film? No. So the the Wachowskis um, came out as trans yeah. in the early 2000s, and they both transitioned, so they were yeah. the Wachowski brothers, now the Wachowski sisters. Yeah. Um, they It was only a few months ago, actually, they came out and said, well, The Matrix was actually a trans journey. The The idea that Neo is... Thomas Anderson, he has assigned that by the Matrix. Yeah, but it's not his true self. And it's it's about discovering who he actually is. You have Mm. um, Agent Smith is constantly effectively in the parlance dead naming him by referring to him as Mr. Anderson. It makes sense. You can see it absolutely, but at the time, it it is. Yeah, the they come out saying it now because they they're pointing at the time neither of them was out as trans. But, and they were yeah. dealing with a lot of dis, uh, dis, is it dysmorphia or dysphoria. I forget which one it is. Apologies yeah. for any trans listeners on this one, but I forget which one it is. But they were dealing with the kind of the mental aspects of being trans, but not out about it. Like being yeah. in the closet. Yeah, you can see, you can and, absolutely see that. Yeah, they, they they couldn't go to a studio and say, this is a story about the trans experience. Yeah. So it was kind of sold to the studio as this is a science fiction story about bullet time. Well, yeah, but yeah, like they, they, I think they can, I don't know if it's one hundred percent sure that they, they've only spoken about it once. But yeah, um, I think a lot of the religious overtones in the film were kind of hammed up or kind of pushed mm. higher up because 
they wouldn't have been able to sell this trans message in 1997 when they got. I the think green it light does have it. that kind of depth though. When you when you because like people have got doctorates in the Matrix now, PhDs in the Matrix now. It's it's. it's, it's I, I, I did I did I did my media studies major project on the symbolism in the Matrix. I completely missed that one. <laughs> well, but yeah, because you weren't. It's it's, it's in more 2002, underlying, well, in 2002, isn't it? I, yeah, in 2002, I didn't know anything about the trans community. Of course not. Like no, that. and it's. It's one of those things. Like, I, I'm mildly ashamed to say that when I first read that, I was like, "No, it can't be. That, that that doesn't sound right. That sounds like they're rewriting history." And then I've actually sat and thought about the story and the themes, and like, it makes sense. Oh shit! It's a trans story. Mm. There is a character. There's an androgynous character in the film called Switch. Yeah, yeah. How didn't I see that? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's just this wonderful reimagining, wonderful way to like reengage with a film years after I've originally seen it, and I've seen it mm. many times. Yeah, I even went to the cinema last year with Pip to see it for the 20th anniversary. And Ooh, um, yeah. yeah, I just completely didn't see that coming. And when I saw it, and when I reread it that way, it was just like, oh my god, that's incredible! It is. It that's is a amazing. film that works on so many levels. But so yeah, I, I, I've, I've obviously, I, I'm aware of that, and you can absolutely see it. But it, it also operates on other levels as well. Because yeah, the religious overtones might be ham-fisted, but they're there. They are there. It's like and to be fair, the Matrix Revolution's religious overtones were oh, fucking God, worse. Yeah. yeah, of course. But I, I'm, I'm talking that, that, about that the only quote. Matrix film, the only Matrix film, the first one, the yes. one that has an actual ending, where Neo flies off and he's Superman and he saves the world. But um, to, 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 to the tune of Rage Against the Machine, which is exactly the last way to end a film. Exactly. But it's like it's it's like it's it, it, there's also the levels of opening your eyes to society. That kind of that, that I, I appreciate that about it. Like. Yeah. It's similar to uh, it came out similar time to Hackers and Dark City and stuff, but I think The Matrix won in that kind of postmodern sci-fi revolution that was coming at the time. There was Equilibrium followed a few years after as well. Um, yeah, I think, I think The Matrix won in that. In my in my opinion, I think it's just yeah, a better I think, film. I think yeah, I think where where hack, where Hackers tried to. Hackers tried to do that cyberpunk thing before the Matrix did, but the Matrix yeah. got the cyberpunk thing right. Yeah, yeah, it was more, it's more like more like cyber goth, isn't it? That's what I like yeah. to call it. But yeah, <laughs> it's just I, I, I've clearly got an obsession with aesthetics when it comes to sci-fi. I've just I've only just re- realized this this little awakening in me that I'm a bit obsessed with how it looks rather than everything else <laughs> with the fifth element and the Matrix. It's obvious. Yeah, the, well, the, the Matrix does sell itself a lot on its looks yeah and it's a very stylish film like even if you take away like the kind of the action scenes and the kind mm. of the kung fu and the gun fu and the stuff like that like the actual look of everything is yeah. very deliberate and very it's very green isn't it on some scenes and very blue on the other scenes yeah it's... yeah when you're in the matrix it's green when you're out of the matrix yeah. it's blue and it's cool it's, yeah it's it's a very beautiful film it is and the special effects still hold up as well it, again a yep. bit like jurassic park the special effects still work today mm. yeah because god that... knows there was plenty of sci-fi released around that time where the special effects don't hold up oh, well yeah. that, that the matrix was like one of the films where you bought it sort of on dvd to show off your dvd player at the time you know yeah. i think it was, it was one of those films i first got my dvd player it's like i want the matrix i bought it on umd to show off my uh, psp to everybody Oh, you poor fool! <laughs> I've still got it. Yeah, I, 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 I do. Remember, I had the Matrix on VHS because I didn't mm. have a DVD player at the time, and I remember that the, the, it didn't have any trailers at the beginning of the VHS. It just had a trailer for DVD. 
for watching the Matrix on <laughs> DVD. On yeah, DVD. <laughs> yeah show, show, advertising how good DVD is on a VHS. Mm. Yeah, but that, that, they're my picks anyway. So <laughs> somebody else. Yeah, Stiggy, what do you got? Um, so most of my uh, like, well, earlier I said that my start into sci-fi was TV, and you know I could wax lyrical about certain TV shows and TV shows that I I really enjoy um, and love. When it comes to sci-fi, uh, namely the Star Trek stuff, um, I'm a mm. big fan of Stargate SG-1 because I think it's just really fun. Never watched it. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's just a really fun sci-fi TV show. I didn't really like the film. I, what? I say I really like the film. I really like the film. Is, and so... Isn't it Roland Emmerich, I think? Some, someone like that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a Roland Emmerich film. Yeah, it's still fantastic. Not into it. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I liked it. Um, and again, but most of my favorite things with sci-fi is is in film. But I, yeah, same. I, get, I could just sit and talk about how good sci-fi in film is, and how it's so open to all different types of films. It isn't yeah. just bogged down in space or um, monsters, or you know something like Jurassic yeah. Park. It it it's open to things like. Um, one of my favorite sci-fis of recent years is a film called Her. Oh, Whacking oh, yeah. Phoenix, yeah. yeah. Whacking so Phoenix. good. And the so premise good. is, like, he falls in love with an artificial intelligence. Yeah, uh, Hansen. It's, it's basically he just falls in love with a voice and a woman yeah. who speaks to him every day via his computer. So good. So good. But, um, yeah, there's things like Wally. I think Wally is a brilliant sci-fi, especially for children. They they do genuinely call that the animated Citizen Kane. I know it's it's a thing that's been said. I've never heard anyone say that. Genuinely, you're making shit up. But I'll no, t- you can but Google I'll, it. But I'll take it because I think it's a brilliant film. It's probably one of my favorite Disney and favorite picks. It's definitely my favorite Pixar film. I think it's brilliant. Um, it's so good. But after all of them, I could list off many, 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 many films. Always comes back to Back to the Future. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great show. Great show. That's one from my childhood that just I could watch over and over again and never get bored with. I, you know, I, uh, I enjoy Back to the Future two and three to an extent, but I think the first <laughs> one, the first one, I could just watch endlessly. I think it's, um, you know, it's a really fun premise. It's a, it's a perfect script. It's well acted. Um, like the whole, it's kind of a race against time as well. That, that, that's, yeah. that's the whole aspect throughout the whole film. He's got to get this stuff done and it's by a certain time. Otherwise, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, and it also, I think, one of the things it does is kind of explain the science behind it, even though it's obviously made up science. But yeah, it, it's, it does it's, it in a way to... It's bullshit, make, but it works. <laughs> it's done in a way to not make the audience feel stupid. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? like so many kids can watch it. Yeah, so much, so many science fiction films. They'll just they'll start banging on about stuff, and you could just be like, <laughs> "What? Like, I don't know what you're talking about here." Like, but you know, yeah, it 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 does it. It's got a really good handle on the idea of setting up the rules of the universe. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, and and this was something I found when I was writing my book. Um, that when if you go straight in with jargon, it just baffles the audience. Mm. Mm-hmm. What you need to do is you need to set up that you don't need to explain things like 
never at one point does he explain what the flux capacitor actually does. All that is explained is that it's important and it's key for time travel. Yeah, that's and it. Run, run, and runs on plutonium. Like, yeah, and then and, and then garbage. <laughs> and then garbage. Yeah, <laughs> or that he needs to hit eighty-eight miles an hour to make it work. Yeah, and those rules are set up really early on in the film. It shows you what happens when uh, when the dog's in the car, and and then Einstein, that, and then that's it. That yeah, Einstein, that's it. Uh, I was going to call him Dogbert there, but no, that's Stillbert. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know, when he sends Einstein back two minutes or whatever it is, or forward two minutes, everything is then laid out for you that you know exactly whatever's going to go wrong. These conditions need to be made for time travel to work. Yeah, and there are so many science fiction films that get that wrong. They, yeah, they try and but Star Star Trek's fucking terrible for it because they'll rattle off some science mumbo jumbo and then have someone in the background give the simile as to what that's actually mm. going to be. Yeah. Or, or, or you're like using tachyons as this magical god particle that um, can let them Avengers do Endgame does it really well, I think, recent years. Of yeah, explaining. Explain time travel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm completely like, debunking like Back to the Future. That. It does, but then there's still, <laughs> by the end of it, you still the audiences. There's a lot of, well, how did, yeah. you do that? How did Cap do yeah. this? And how did that happen? Like, yeah. I'm not going to get into that really, yeah. uh, but uh, yeah, again, though, I think even when Doc is running around like frantic as he is and going, this and <laughs> this and this and this, it's like you can keep up, you can understand what he means, and it's like, oh, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. He needs to do this because, you know, that's because I think, just, I think a lot of that's down to Christopher Lloyd's delivery as well. He's very good at doing that frantic. Yeah, I didn't realize panic. how aged up he was in the first one, Eve. I didn't realize that until I was a bit old. I'm like, Christopher Lloyd wasn't that old then. No, when you see him now, you just think, you just think, oh, he's still he looks alive. like that. He's still alive because, but yeah, he's like because he was playing an old man in that film. Yeah, like, I didn't realize. I was like, he's not that old. Like was 30, 30, it? Late thirties at the time or something. Yeah, thirty years ago. Maybe he's just always looked old. <laughs> but it's one of those ones where like the casting's perfect. Both both leads are just they're just perfect in that role. And I think that yeah, my, that, that helps. It was, it he well. wasn't originally uh, he wasn't originally Michael J. Fox, was it? It was, no, it was um, what's Eric, his name? Eric, someone else. Eric Stoltz, was it? Yeah, from yeah. Pulp Fiction. Yeah, um, and there's, there's footage of him doing Martin McFly, and it's just it's not the same. No, well, no. Obviously, they went with the right choice in the end. Absolutely. Probably. And and of course, the power of love is just a banging tune. And back in time, that. back in time's a good one. Johnny be good, yeah. the little the little bit <laughs> yeah, yeah. In there. It's that and, and also just the general theme tune to Back to the Future is really good. <laughs> it's your cousin Marvin. And it's just oh, yes. and it's used in the perfect way, moments in the film throughout the film as well. Specifically when he's running away from the bullies and stuff. From Biff Oh and, yeah. yeah. There is a band called uh, I Fight Dragons, which is the best name for a band in the world ever. <laughs> they did a they did a cover of um, the Power of Love, and they they had like this this four part vocal harmony doing ba 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 ba. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Theme at the beginning of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's one thing that was the, that song. Will, even though it's like Huey Lewis and the News wrote it for one of their albums, not for the film, it will always be for Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, but you don't, you don't even hear that song until like later on in the film, do you? It's like it's, it's back in times. The the first song of the film, I think it is I anyway. Is um, M- M- Marty and his band are playing it? In, in, uh, in oh the yeah, the uh, yeah, the yeah, uh, and it's and it's Huey Lewis that goes, "You're too loud." Yes, yeah, I remember <laughs> that now. Yeah, it's so good. So, what is it you all look for in sci-fi? Because Ooh. I clearly like, fashion. I <laughs> 
No, clearly. Like, I don't watch everything sci-fi that comes my way. There are no, neither like, do I. I have. Tr- I mean, I tried Stargate SG One, and it wasn't bad, but it kind of wasn't for me. Mm. But I really liked uh, Stargate Universe, which was the one with Robert Carlyle that lasted two seasons and got cancelled because people don't know what they're talking about. There's more than one Stargate show. There's three. Yeah, there's three or four. Three. Oh, yeah. Wow. There's Atlantis as well. Yeah. SG One's just fun. It's just fun. It doesn't. It's not serious. You don't have to be. Too. Is it based on the same film? Like, is it? Is it's it all a car- based it's on basically that? it. Car- it it. With the start, Egyptian it stuff. starts at the end of the film. Like the series oh, cool. kind of starts where the film leads off. So for me, because things started with Red Dwarf, I always kind of look for the humor in things. I like things which are f- with science fiction, which is funny. Like Firefly spoke to me on so many levels because it was dramatic, but it was increasingly funny in place. Yeah. yeah, you see, you see, I've seen Serenity, but I've never watched Firefly. Oh my. It's 14 episodes, watch it, they're the greatest thing ever. I, l- I really like Serenity, Fox. I think it's a cool film. Just, you're making me sad talking about Firefly, though. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry. Don't be, don't be sad that it didn't continue, be happy that it existed in the first yeah. place, because it's wonderful. Oh. Um, but yeah, so but I, I like... Futurama, that's a good one that's funny. Yeah, Futurama is one of my all-time favourites. Yeah, I adore so Futurama good. so much. And because... I like Futurama because it does... It does a lot of things with your expectations because I remember when it first came on, everyone was expecting, oh, it's just going to spoof a load of sci-fi things, which it does, but it's also a genuinely interesting sci-fi universe. Yeah, it's good. It's great. Um, I love it. But for me, as I've gotten older, I like the smaller sci-fi. Uh-huh. Like things where... Things where so, uh, and this is very particular of like cyberpunk stuff, so I really like... Obviously, I love Blade Runner. I love Altered Carbon. And those are those are two very different sci-fi properties, but... They operate in the same space where you have a singular character brought into a situation where everything is terrible. They're doing their best to make things better in whatever capacity they have, but it's very small scale. Like they're both about solving crimes in this kind of horrible dystopian future where nothing is right by our own standards. And mm. they're just trying to bring a little bit of sanity into their own worlds or, or solve a crime or make something better for somebody. And those are the stories I like because they always kind of, they always shine a small spotlight on a big problem, and that's what I think science fiction does best. It, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, you, you can you can take things that are wrong with this world that you can't fix, but you can present a future where we might be able to fix them, or things have been fixed, and you can show how it's done. That's what I love about sci-fi. You like a bit of hope, doesn't don't you as well? You can tell. Yeah. It's nice to have a yeah. bit because it can be some sci-fi can be just too bleak, and I think that that puts me off. I don't like. Um, I mean, I think that was my issue with Battlestar. For me, yeah, yeah, I was I, never no hope is, in Battlestar. That is that is what I look for in um, in my sci-fi. And you say oh. like Battlestar Galactica. I I love that series. I, it's one of my my all-time favorite TV shows. Greatest sci-fi mm. show of all time. Absolutely, mm. and it is on. Yep. It's on iPlayer 100%. at the minute, so everybody should be watching that if they haven't already seen it. Oh, what's the Expanse on Amazon? Outstanding. Prime. I do um, need to start the Expanse. Also good. So good. <laughs> there is a bit. There, there is. There is a bit of hope in there. I think still in Battlestar Galactica. Um, the original or the remake. Oh, <laughs> the remake! Definitely the remake. Remake. When you when you talk Battlestar, you know it's about the remake. It's... I know. I, I've, no, I've <laughs> noticed. I know the fans. They call the original just the they call the original Battlestar Galactica, but the new one just Battlestar. It's just Battlestar. It's like cooler. It's edgier. 
but I've only seen like oh let me see Battlestar Galactica. I've only seen the, like the first few episodes and I kind of liked what I was watching I like I like like you said Doom I like the desperation and stuff and the Cylon is it Cylons I think it's Cylons, Cylons yeah. yeah yeah I like them as a as a, as a baddie that that fascinates me but I, I probably should get back into it to be honest it's uh, it's on iPlayer definitely uh, watch it and it's not too long like I think there's only four yeah. series so. I like the actors that are in it as well oh, um, so so well cast the chemistry between yeah. them is brilliant the writing is brilliant like. I probably watch more episodes than I realised, to be honest, because I, I, it's all so, coming back to so, me now. It's so binge-worthy, that show. So yeah. intense. I, I love it. Mm. You like The Expanse, then, definitely. Very yeah, similar. Did, I, I started reading The Expanse on holiday, the first book, Leviathan Wakes, I think it was called. Yeah, Leviathan Wakes. Uh, first and then I left and left the book, so I never finished it. So I... <laughs> I need to um I need to watch that series. I've I mean, the books watch... are genuinely better than the series, but the series is so good still. Yeah, the only thing, the only my issue with the Expanse is, and maybe it's just this is just me, but I still can't figure out who half of them are by name. <laughs> oh, I, I, I came can, back I can, to I can, season four. And I couldn't, couldn't remember who some of the characters' names were. Oh God, I love them all. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like <laughs> it's a really good show, but like it's yeah, it's just. I really, the McCrew, yes. they're my crew. I love the guys. Oh, well, I'll watch that. Oodles, if you watch Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> deal. Ooh, You've got a deal. challenge. We'll, we'll we'll come back to this in like yeah two months time and see where <laughs> see see where they're at with it. But I'll have I, it completed in a week, I, mate. I don't know what I I really don't know what I look for in a sci-fi because I just kind of love all different types of films. Like I said, sci-fi just opens itself opens itself up to so many different things. And uh, it can be used in so many different ways that I just kind of like to take it all different types in. You know yeah, I mean? like you say, yeah. it's, it's so broad that you could be watching something and not sort of looking at it as if it's a sci-fi. Like say, when you're watching Black Black Mirror. Like, yeah, technically sci-fi. Yeah, a lot of sci-fi in that, but you, you you might be watching it as more of a drama or a thriller or something. Something. I'm, I, lately, I've really got into. Um, Victorian sci-fi, like your H.G. Wells stuff, that's so good. So I, I oh, like H.G. Wells was the master. I like the idea of them not knowing the science behind it back then. It was, it was. There's a fantasy twist to it, like Martians. Like we, we all know, there's there's no aliens on Mars, but then it was like, ooh, it's so cool. Like the the time machine, things like that. It's so good. Oh, it's like what well, it's going to be like in a million years in the future. Yeah, my favorite concept in War of the Worlds is that that Mars is covered in a red weed. Yeah, yeah, it's so, and, it, and that's it's, what they use like, to fumigate their atmosphere and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's, and it's obviously because no one had any knowledge, any knowledge other than that Mars existed and it was red. Yeah, um, which it technically isn't. It's more of an orange, isn't it? The same, well, yeah, a copper well, color. Yeah, like when you read uh, War of the Worlds or when you listen to the rather fantastic Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds, oh, which is so seminal. good, one of the best albums ever made. Yeah, and 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 you have you have the red weed creeping over England. Yeah, it's just like that's actually a really fucking great visual. It makes no sense in science, but it's a really yeah. great visual. <laughs> I remember reading that, but I I remember I was in New Zealand, and I watched the film. I watched the film in uh, in Australia, The War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise. So mm-hmm. I, I went and bought the book. Well, I'm gonna read this while I'm traveling around New Zealand, and <laughs> I. I it's the the like because it obviously it's written in 1890 or yeah like yeah that. 
So, so like the language that they're using from that was. There's a lot know, less going, urgency going in the book as well. Yeah, going asking for help from the local Bobby and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. And it's just, and the, and it the was quite is, funny reading it after watching the film. Going there's bits the like, book. oh, I've got to go and get my fiance. Um, I'll just get a bike. I'll go on my little push bike and I'll go pick her up. The, 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 the forest is burning behind our house, but we'll take our time and get all the china. <laughs> we need to get the fine china. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So good. Love it. We'll round this one out because I'm aware that we've kind of rattled on about this for a long time. Because again, with it's such a broad subject, there is so much we could talk about with sci-fi. We could oh, talk God, about yeah. this for days. But in the vein of um, a previous episode, what are your hot takes about sci-fi? What are the things you hate? We're looking for the mm. worst hot takes here, and I'll start <laughs> this one off to give you to, to give you an indication of where I'm going. And Stig, don't be offended by this one because. <laughs> I hate time travel. Every film gets time travel fucking wrong, apart from Back to the Future. Back to the Future is the only one that I've seen that gets it right. Terminator because... 2. No, Terminator 2 gets it wrong as well. Because, so, every time travel film, apart from Back to the Future, ends up causing a paradox where they are going back in time to save something or protect something or stop something happening. They achieve that goal and then there would be no reason for them to go back in time in the fucking first place. Mm. Back to the Future gets it right because the way that it's working with Back to the Future is Marty McFly has to do these events because the beginning of the film shows you the results of what he does in the 50s. The clock tower doesn't work. There was the big storm, that kind of thing. And that is all kind of setting up the idea that Marty is supposed to go back in time, do all that shit in the past, and then come back to the future. So good foreshadowing. Yeah, so that foreshadows it right that it's that that is his linear timeline has to do that. He is not going back in time with the express object of changing anything. He does change things, mm. but that's not the point of him going there. Therefore, when he's changed things, he still has he he has still had a reason to be back in time. And he does a bit of necking with his mom as well, which is creepy. <laughs> but, yeah, but it, should, it, it should remain so for like I don't know. And, and his dad should probably resent him because he goes, oh, you look like that prick that yeah. mum used to fancy yeah, okay. when I was growing up. <laughs> do you, know, do you yeah. know what he does get wrong, Back to Future, with the time travellers, when he goes back to the West and he's like, great, it, it doesn't make sense that he's, and he's great, great, great grandma or something looks like his girlfriend or something like that. Yeah, it's yeah, so it, weird. It, it, it doesn't, like, it. yeah. but no, I mean, At I, least they're Irish. But yeah, the, the the thing with time travel is that you're right. It's like if if you prevented it from happening, then how did that thing get back sent back in time in the first place to help you stop preventing that thing that happened? It's like exactly. Yeah. Futurama has a brilliant episode on it where uh, someone comes back in time from the future to stop uh, Nick, uh, Nixon becoming president for like the fiftieth time or whatever, and run they run a successful campaign and he gets elected president and then he disappears. Because there was no reason for him to come back in time because Nixon had never become president. Yes, yeah, I remember that. It, it, and it, in, in a 20-minute episode, it ruins all of time travel sci-fi. <laughs> but, all, but all people's excuse then is just like, oh, I mean, they kind of do it in Avengers as well. It's like, oh, you... you when you, when you change lines. something, it splits off to another yeah. timeline. So, so, if, so that basically means that the timeline that you split off into is the new good one, but you've left this timeline as a shithole. Yeah. So in effect, yeah. you have you've left. Fucked everything up. You've fucked everyone else over to save <laughs> yeah. you. 
like, selfish. Yeah, you've buggered off somewhere better. Yeah. So like, it doesn't. That's just. I always find that a bit of a cop out. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, I really dislike time travel fiction because they all get it wrong. My my uh, bugbear is quite different, and I, I it's hard for me to explain it without. I, I don't want it to come across as bad, but I don't like the um, American patriotism that you get from films like America Saves the World all the time. You get that in a lot of sci-fi ones, like Independence Day. Like we wouldn't have made it without the Americans. You know what I mean? Oh God, yeah, yeah. That, uh, it's yeah, that made one by American a... studios, American but it's not always. Like, I, don't, I don't mean just America as a country. Like you, you, you get it with different different countries' versions of stuff. Like we we save the world, and and I don't like that. I'd, I'd, it's, for me, like first contact a bit. I think it'd go a little bit different. You know, like the film, is it Arrival? The, um, yeah. Jeremy Renner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great that, film. Beautiful I think film. that's the perfect first contact type film for me. A bit more yeah. peaceful, a bit less. Like, there, there is there is a threat of war in that film, isn't there? But yeah. it's not but that's the, against that, that, the that's aliens. The of hu- yeah, that's the threat of the humans knocking the shit out of each other. Yeah, I appreciate that more rather than. Rather than um, we're going to get Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith to fly into the alien mothership and, and use an Apple Mac to import a virus. In, and I thought Macs didn't get viruses, but never mind. But <laughs> I think that's kind of why uh, War of the Worlds works. I mean, the aliens are obviously stupid enough to invade a planet that's yeah, and not where some... or something. But it, they, they fuck themselves over. It yeah, by getting out of spaceships. Yeah, it isn't yeah. like... Um, oh, no, the... the that's signs I'm thinking of. Sorry, isn't it where they, they invade a it's planet? The signs it's is the one where they kills where, them. where they come to Earth and, and to water, invade, yeah, to invade a, a world that's pretty much eighty percent water. I'm sorry, with War of the Worlds, obviously it's the aliens. Kind of something ticks. Like, it isn't humans. It isn't like a big but it's hubris, isn't it? It's, isn't it's, a big hurrah. Our military took everyone out yeah. and defeated yeah. everyone. It's yeah. well, the, the Martians took Bacteria. out Britain, Britain's best ship. They were doomed the day they arrived, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I prefer that. I prefer natural thing rather than rather than we've got the best Harrier jump jets, so we're gonna win. You get what you get. What I mean, don't, don't you? I, yeah, I, no, I, no, yeah. I get appreciate. That. I, I appreciate humans winning, but I, there's, there's a little. I don't know. It just puts me off. That's my little bug yeah. there, anyway. I think, I, I... I think I think I think speaking of bugs, uh, Starship Troopers handles it really well because oh, that's obviously yes. a, that's a great criticism of, yeah, kind of American patriotism. Anyway, it is. Do you want to be a citizen and do you want to know more all the time? Yeah, I, mean, so I, I was literally going to bring Starship Troopers into my thing of tropes as, a, as again to point out a good thing. Mm, so, yeah, yeah. I think it's a masterpiece, Starship Troopers. To be honest, I people love that don't film. people don't I understand that what that film's trying to say. Oh, yeah. Completely misunderstood in its time, and it's yeah. only since like yeah. completely, completely. Out, so there's people are I, shooting books. I understand. Like, my understanding yeah. of that film now is completely different from when it I first watched. Oh yeah, mine, mine is completely. Yeah, there's even like gentrification type things where, like, have you noticed that everyone that lives in Buenos Aires is now an American? Stuff like that. Yeah. Just th- things that you don't pick up on. And it's so. It's yeah. It's good. I love, I love Starship Troopers. So good. Yeah. So one of my biggest tropes is. Um, it's scientists in sci-fis. <laughs> um, not they always just seem to get either killed off or ignored. Yeah, yeah, even though they're experts. Yeah, they are the experts. I mean, it <laughs> sounds like real life, but the um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, sorry, 
Yeah, in these films, they just seem to be like completely ignored. It's just like, well, this is what we should do. And they're just like, nope, nope, we're going to do this instead. And then no, we're the going thing, to shoot them. The thing that the scientists said they shouldn't do turns out to be the bad thing. And it's like, yeah, yeah. or this, okay. or they're perceived as being weak because they're scientists and nerdy. So they get killed off really easy. And it's just like things like that. Have, have, you, have you noticed that the, a lot of sci-fi cinema tends to be very military sci-fi? Yeah. yeah, and it's very focused around the action of it. Yeah, it really Whereas... is. That's that's what I was trying to get across as well. It's like, um, if 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 aliens came right, I wouldn't be going to a colonel. What do we do? I'd be going to the scientists, the astrologists, astronomers, or whatever, and going, yeah. "What do we do?" But but the military would have their hands in it massively. Yeah. Wouldn't I'd rather speak to a language technology. expert if an alien came than do you know what I mean? Than a corporal in the army with a desert yeah, that's, eagle. That's, that, that's why Arrival is one of my is a superb so sci-fi film yeah. because mm. it because it is it's the science of it. It's these creatures are coming. How do we speak to them? Yeah, but the military's yeah. version is how do we? <laughs> Yeah, how do we attack them before they attack us? We need to us. have contingency plans. It's like, yeah, no, look, if if they're better than us, we deserve it. Do you know what I mean? It, they've they, they've travelled they've travelled halfway across a galaxy that's billions yeah. upon trillions of miles wide. Yeah. If they want to kill us, we deserve they it. They can do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. You know, Independence Day does that. They they come and they've come to exterminate humans. And they go, no peace. Yeah. And he's got that tentacle a, right a, arrival. Die. Yeah, they haven't. They've come to share something. But, to warners, haven't they? Yeah, but they they mm. they they viewed as a threat before we even understand them because because scientists aren't given the time to yeah, actually yeah. do what you know they're good at, and they don't look like us. That's that's one of the things as well. It's like look, the the, the aliens in Arrival they are the oddest things I've ever seen. I love their design. I I think it's wonderful that they're not humanoid. Yeah, they're not anything. That, that's, well, that was one of my tropes. I had a list of them. One of them was like, everyone speaks and acts like humans. Yeah, well, yeah. that's because it's I... easier to put an actor in a suit. Yeah. Going, going <laughs> off the look of something, my trope is actually sort of the shock value behind aliens and mm. why everyone's so stunned that they look weird. And I just think, well, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. They do why look strange, they? but... We've got we've got things on this planet that look far more bizarre than anything you could create in, <laughs> that you could imagine. Do you know, I I think an alien landing on this planet would be looking at it'd be landing there going, oh god, get get the fuck off this planet! Look at that thing there, how long's its neck? Oh, yeah. the state of that. <laughs> Why is this creature just full of spikes? It's just a hedgehog. Yeah, yeah but look at it. What's you, the point? You, prom- you promised me creatures that. Looked slightly like us. And yeah. I've got that thing there. Look at it. I think an, I think an alien would be absolutely We're terrified off. of a jellyfish, like everyone else. Like, what is that? Yeah, you you do get that so much sci-fi. Like I, the one that always that jumps to mind when someone brings that up is like Mass Effect mm-hmm. video game series, where it's like all the aliens are basically humans, but with blue heads. Like, it's it's basically it's just that the heads are interchangeable yeah. but they're all kind of roughly yeah. humanoid or they, or they might have two, two antennae or I something think, like yeah. that as well the only thing the only show I can think of that covers why that happens and obviously when Star Trek came around in the 60s the reason aliens had a lot of costumes was wasn't it costumes because they didn't have the technology <laughs> to do it again with the next generation and kind of Deep Space Nine prosthetics came in to make them look more different you know mm. uh, Ferengis and Klingons and um, Kardashians. Kardashians. Um, There's an actual creature called Kardashians. Kardashians, yeah. 
That's incredible. Which is, which, which, which is why when Kim Kardashian became a thing, I was sat there going, well, from Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. She's just got a H. <laughs> they've got H's in there rather than Kardashians. Yeah. But, the, um, but there is a point in Star Trek Next Generation why they touch on why everyone looks like humanoids. Why everyone is it still with gravity? No, no, there's just a, there's a point of where it kind of... I, I'm not remembering it fully, but I think it touches on, like, the birth of the universe. Mm, and, yeah, yeah. And so it's, everyone's yeah. kind of birthed from um, a humanoid. The same origin. Yeah. Scientifically, they've evolved sense on in, their own planets. Yeah. They've developed ridges in the heads, pointy ears. Isolation and stuff uh, like that. Know, like, stuff that, like that, kinda... yeah. So that does touch on it, so you it, they get around it's it. It's bollocks, but, though, isn't it? But, well... <laughs> Most sci-fi is really. It's not bollocks. It's fiction. Yeah, that's that's true. But it it works um, for that. But yeah, like you say, like if it doesn't touch on it, it's just like why is everyone like yeah. Uh, and and again, Star Trek also touches on why everyone can speak to each other and why we hear them in English because of universal. Oh yeah, why trans- does why universal translators? Oh, does... the, the, yeah, the badges are all translators. They all have, uh, yeah, they all have translators, and even like the Ferengi in Deep Space Nine, they've got these things that wrap around the head. That yeah. When they lose them, they can't understand anything other than Ferengi. It, so wow, Star Trek does a goes does do a lot to try and ad- address some of these tropes. I need to start watching Star Trek, don't I? Yeah, I really do. You do, you do actually. You you definitely watched the ninety series. Yeah, you watched the rubbish Star Trek. I did. Didn't watch, I? It after, <laughs> watch it after Battlestar Galactica. Oh yeah, and, and that's my homework. That's different. I'm gonna. I always do my homework. I'm a good boy. Okay, so yeah, that kind of wraps all that up. We've talked about this at length, and we could talk about this a lot more. This seems to be a running thread with us. To be fair, we could like we we have these main subjects that we could talk about forever because we're so passionate about them. But we're going to kind of bring it back to reality, bring it back down to earth here, and we are going to get into the Inquisition, <laughs> which Oodles has taken care of this week. Yeah, it, it 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 felt like an important enough name that I needed to go deep voice. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. Almost sultry and quite sexy. Mm. Yeah. It does also it does also stem from the fact that my name is Gadget and one of my favourite things to do as a child was do the I'll get you next time, Gadget. Inspector Gadget. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're going to do the Inquisition. And uh, Oodles is looking after it um this time. So what have people got to say about science fiction? Well this is fascinating to me, um, because as we have discussed everyone is quite a subjective topic so um we put the following out on twitter and got some amazing feedback on there and via email as well Uh, we asked what was your first experience with science fiction what are your favorite sci-fi movies books graphic novels and games Uh, what year will we see flying cars as well as that we asked you just for your general commentary on the subject like we have a little bit of a freeform conversation so the first bit of information i got here is from christopher love at deadbeat punk he emailed us he's put uh, salutations my postmodern escape micasts so that's that was difficult to read actually es- escape micasts yeah. <laughs> i had to scratch my head at this one i couldn't remember a catalyst and sparked a relationship with sci-fi although not my favorite genre i certainly have a lot of time for it fifth element good boy is one of those movies I could watch on repeat. Star Wars, of course, only repressed perverts could dislike that series. <laughs> God damn it, we've got one. Uh, Cowboy Bebop in my teenage years with a soundtrack forever etched into my heart. Of course, Firefly has to get a shout out. I recently started reading the Expanse series. He's got a good taste, this guy. 
as I refuse to watch something before reading the source material, that makes sense as well. Um, he's also put my first sci-fi love, and correct me if I'm if I am wrong. I think it is sci-fi. Was Ghostbusters? I'd say it's paranormal sci-fi. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll allow that one. Yeah, love the movies to death. Uh, snort because <laughs> of the uh, the pun. Uh, literally wore out both VHS tapes for the original and sequel. Though I am told I would never watch the sequel past the scene with the slime possessed bathtub. So I must have only worn out three quarters of that tape. I loved it for the theme tune, Ectomobile, and special effects as a child. Be watching it as a semi adult, I realised there was also a fantastic underdog comedy attached to these previous qualities. One of few movies that I have enjoyed more as an adult than I did as a child. I still don't like the portion with the pink slime in the bath, but I think I could beat it up if necessary now. he also goes on to say yes i did have action figures although it certainly set me down a path of urban fantasy a genre which remains a constant staple in my lineup of novels please do an urban fantasy episode soon harry dresden is the dog's bollocks i like that um was ghostbusters science fiction i don't care love it watching the cartoon at the moment keep up the great work that's from deadbeat punk an absolute novel he sent us there he has what what was um what was Slimer the ghost of? Oh, some like, awful glutton. just a ghost? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, there's some dodgy uh, ghosts in the in, later, isn't there? So, I used to love that bit with Slimer and his eating and, and it's just, all just dropping out says, of him. He says one so thing, good. I, I just wondered um, what you guys were. He said that Ghostbusters is one of those films that he prefers now and enjoys more as an adult than he does as a child. Does anyone else have a film, like, a sci-fi film like that? Or a TV I, show or Ghostbusters is one of those. I, Gremlins I enjoy, is one as well. I agree with Ghostbusters on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I think we said Star Trek yeah. Troopers, obviously we understand it a bit more yeah, now definitely. as adults yeah. than, than a teenage boys. But um, yeah, I just wonder if there's anything that you kind of mm. you enjoyed as a child, but now it's a bit, you know, you, you see it. Yeah, if anyone else did that's listening, let us know, absolutely. I think um, one for me would be Akira. Like yeah, I, I did yeah. like that when I was. I watched a, it as a kid. I liked yeah, it as, as a an kid, adult, it's but better. as an adult, it's so much better. It's, it's, it is. Yeah, Blade Runner same, did that with me. Yeah, yeah, and the same vein yeah. for me was Ghost in the Shell. Like I really enjoyed it as a teenager when I saw it, but I enjoy it much more as an adult. I now. still don't really like Ghost in the Shell. I don't hate it. Me neither. I just fine. I just, I'm just not that into it. But yeah, we'll we'll continue with this because there's quite a lot to read. <laughs> Sorry, at little lolly two scoops. At no, no, don't never apologize. Uh, at little lolly two one. Can't remember my first sci-fi film, but my fave is Doctor Who. When spoke about Doctor Who, I don't like Doctor Who. Being absolutely terrified of Daleks as a child, and then with the new era, watching the first episode where you meet the Weeping Angels and the Waters of Mars episodes give me them same goosebumps. Yeah, the Weeping Angels. Ooh. That was such a good episode. I, I, I love Ooh. the Weeping Angels episode because of how expertly it's put together. And the fact the Doctor is barely in it. He's only in it at the end, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, because it's... Yeah, it's it's when he's um he's 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 trapped without the TARDIS. And yeah, he's basically re- he's worked out the script of what he has to say to this woman in this conversation. Yeah, and recorded it on video. So good. Yeah, it was so well put together. She's also put uh, best sci-fi musical, The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Come at me, gadget. So you've had some alterations about that, then I see. Well, <laughs> okay. So I have seen Rocky Horror Picture Show precisely once in my life. I oh, saw it's so it at, good. I saw it at a party. Where I didn't want to see it, it was just kind of thrust upon us by drunken people. I was designated driver. I was having a miserable time. I didn't enjoy the film. 
I don't remember it being a science fiction movie, but Mate, I'm willing to be wrong warp. about this. It's called The Time Warp. It's science fiction double features the first song, I think. Uh, it's got aliens at the end. It's Frankenstein. It's sexy. It's never, sci-fi. I've never seen it. It's on one like I say, I'm I willing I, to be wrong yeah. about it, but I really disliked it Dude, when I saw it. It's about aliens. <laughs> so, okay. yeah. Um, sneaky at I am sneaky. I had to live at my uncle's for a few months when I was 10, year old, uh, 10 years old. Sorry. My uncle had an extensive VHS collection. One day he passed me a copy of Tron. Good film. Yes. Tron Legacy is good as well. From that no, day on, not. I was hooked. It's good. <laughs> I may be a 41-year-old lager-drinking Geordie builder, but inside I'm just a kid who loves space and aliens. Aww. What a beautiful thing. <laughs> Seriously, Tron Legacy is good. Watch it again. The soundtrack is amazing. Not, the not on your life, Oodles. Not on your no, life. It's, good. it's a bad film. It's, it's a good. bad film. I'll fight you. <laughs> right. Um, I've got my... the weight advantage on you. <laughs> my mortal nemesis, Monkey at Monk's Boy. Damn that monkey. Uh, my first sci-fi experience was the cat from outer space. Oh, my God. That's just given me so much nostalgia. It was my favourite movie as a small child. As I grew up, I found Hitchhiker's Guide and Red Dwarf, then finally Doctor Who. Keep your Trek Wars. I Keep your Trek Wars. I got all the good sci-fi I need, although slide in Warehouse 13 and it's golden. I don't know what Warehouse 13 is. I thought that's a lager, isn't it? No, it oh, was... Um... Hop House. <laughs> I don't it was, know. It, it was um, so you, you know you know uh, with Raiders of the Lost Ark you've got the, the warehouse at the end where everything oh is top men where top, top men, men were yeah, yeah. it's the, the kind of the idea is like if you had a warehouse like that of all the fucking strange shit that the world wasn't allowed to see oh what's in there um and it ran for mm. about five seasons it's it's kind of it's a long it's it's of that quality style of like do you remember leverage and stuff like yeah, that yeah, that, that yeah. came out kind of the mid 2000s it's what one of them alias? Kind of shows. is it like alias not quite alias. as teen dark but yeah kind of but um yeah it's uh, warehouse 13 is pretty good i really enjoyed it hmm. it's been recommended by a monkey though so i'm not going to watch it I'm joking, I'll try. <laughs> um, the real rider at rider underscore five five five. My parents had a Betamax with a huge catalogue of films, and I remember the, I remember the first sci-fi films I probably saw were The Last Starfighter, banger, and The Thing, banger, which traumatised me. But I still think it's my favourite sci-fi to date. Big shout out to Alien and Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Also, Blade Runner twenty forty nine is better than the first one. I've said this before. Agreed. Haven't I? It's so much better. <laughs> um, next is uh, Louise Hilnovsky. Sorry, I've absolutely butchered your name. <laughs> At Louise Hilnovsky. Hilnovsky. Really, sorry. Hilnovsky. Uh, Quantum Leap, Back to the Future, E.T., Red Dwarf, Star Wars. I'm an 80s child, clearly. Yeah. Yes, she oh, definitely is. I, can't, I cannot argue with them. I mean, apart from Quantum Leap, maybe nowadays. Um, Jill Great Chapman. At, yeah, really good theme tune. Jill Chapman at Jill Chapman. I remember watching Total Recall and being amazed at the idea of colonies on Mars and being traumatised by the guy getting sucked outside and having his eyeballs explode out of his head. Really put me off space travel. It's when he goes... Yeah. Love that bit. <laughs> love that <laughs> bit. Love it. Everyone um, either loves that bit or hates it. I just love Total Recall. Not the remake, though. Don't like no, that at all. No, definitely not. Um, John Cheatham at John Cheatham 1 first experience with science fiction probably reading Michael Crichton novels as a kid and the Star Wars remastered coming out in the late 90s yeah that were a big impact for me 
Sci-fi remains one of my favourite genres of media, both as an aesthetic and a mechanism for discussing the human condition. See, he's into aesthetics like I am. Fashionistas, that's what me and John are. Uh, There are few genres that provide such scope for imagery and invention. Recent films like Arrival and Annihilation. Oh, I forgot about Annihilation. Love that. Boasting amazing ideas and visuals. Blade Runner 2049, a feast for the senses. Absolutely Um, agreed. And I can't wait for Dune. Oh, I know. It looks so good. If anybody wants a recommendation, I implore you to read Rejoice, A Knife to the Heart, which is a thoughtful first encounter novel by the excellent Stephen Erickson of high fantasy doorstopper fame. Mm. I shall add that to the list. So we've got Rob Frodsham at Bob Frod. I love sci-fi on film and TV, but really not keen on books. Hmm. However, one book I have liked was Children of Time, uh, recommended highly. So many films slash TV to like, even away from the Titan franchises, Event Horizon, 12 Monkeys, Sunshine, Moon, Mute, Inception and Interstellar. Now, I don't really like Interstellar, but he's mentioned Sunshine, which is one of my favourites as well. Moon Uh, Moon is incredible. Moon's good, yeah. I've seen Moon. Also, some great recent ones like Arrival and Annihilation. TV also produced loads of sterling efforts, but surely the best is Battlestar Galactica. Yes. One of the greats. Yes. Also, Red Dwarf, Black Mirror, Devs, and All Hail Rick and Marty. Also, childhood classics, Flash Gordon, and Krull. At Rick and Marty. Mm. Yeah, I keep forgetting about Rick and Morty as sci fi, and it's actually pretty good sci fi. I like and... Rick and Marty, but not for the sci fi. I, 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 I like love the. Rick I like and the Marty. Yeah, I like the just the daftness of it more than the sci-fi edge to it. But yeah, it's basically Back to the Future on acid, isn't it? Yeah, but it's <laughs> dimension hopping rather than time hopping, which I think yeah. is a smart a smarter idea than them doing time travel. Yeah, because it so... gives them more scope to be fucking weird and creative. <laughs> yeah, especially the um, what's the one with the Cronenberg episode? Love that. Yeah, <laughs> love that. Um, uh, low stock gamer at low stock gamer. My first experience has to have been Tom Baker's Doctor Who, also watching Blake 7 and being fascinated by their ship, Liberator. Film-wise, then, my earliest memories were watching Star Wars when I'd broken my arm at my mate's house. It was the only thing that stopped me crying. Oh, that's so cool. Should you have gone to the hospital? Well, I'm sure he will have done. I'm sure he will have done. And finally, uh, Wayne Hur at... Last Ginger, Star Wars, and Close Encounters in the same day back in 77, 78 at Ipswich Odeon. That's I a was, hell of a day. I know. I was four and it was amazing. I was probably watching Space 1999 before that. Yes, I'm old. But yes, you that are. was The Inquisition. Thank you, Marvelous. everybody. That was an absolutely massive edition of The Inquisition. And I read it a bit faster than I normally would. But that was... I appreciate everyone that's spent the time to uh, go back in time with us on that one. Oof. Yeah. So, thank you all for writing in and letting us know what you thought about Sapphire. If you actually have any feedback on this one and want to kind of speak to what we've just spoken about, well, Stig's going to tell you exactly how to do that, aren't you, Stig? Yeah, so we have a number of methods that you can get in touch with us on. The first is Twitter. If you want to find us there, it's at Modern Escapism. If you want to email us, you can do so at modernescapismpod at gmail.com. We have a website, which is modern-escapism.buzzsprout.com. And on that website, you can find a link to our Discord. And we'd love people to come in and join. We already have a nice little community growing there. And we discuss all kinds of stuff in there. We have just general chat. But if you want to discuss TV and film, games, food, books, music, we have everything going on in there. So if you fancy joining on the chat, we're there every day. Come and join us. 
We are also streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash modernescapism. We have two streams going on this week. On Friday night, Biggie is away, so Oodles is going to be streaming Dark Souls 3. Now, he says he has something special in mind for us, so if you check out Twitter, you'll be able to find out what that is. And then on Wednesday the 7th at 8.30 slash 9 o'clock, we're going to do a full squad Among Us among us stream so all of us are going to be on and we're going to be playing the big twitch game that's taken off massively the last couple of months and that's among us come and watch us because it is a brilliant laugh it is so much fun i'm looking forward to this and finally uh leave us those five star reviews head over to apple podcasts we appreciate the five star reviews we only want five stars because we think we're worth it so yeah Five star reviews, please. We're not going to be able to build the Death Star on anything less than five star reviews. Let's yeah. be fair. <laughs> <laughs> let's be brutal about it. Yeah. So yeah, okay. that's how you can so, get in touch with us. Marvelous. Thank you very much for that, Stig. So all that remains to be said is we're at the end here, and this has been a rather epic journey, quite frankly. Mm. One of the longest recordings we've done to date, in fact. Seventeen um, hours. Yeah. Yeah. Oodles <laughs> just doesn't shut up. Honestly, hey. the man goes on. Um, so all that remains to be said is thank you very much for joining us this evening we will be back next week Mm. we will be back every week you cannot get rid of us you can have a good go I mean you can try but it's it's not going to work it's futile so thank you Oodles for joining us you're more than welcome Captain thank you Stig live long and prosper and thank you Dumakin thank you very much I have been Gadget, and I am going to leave you off with a quote from my favourite science fiction TV series ever. I have a question. A sensible question. A question that will test the limits of your IQ and stretch the sinews of your knowledge to bursting point. The question is this. Given that God is infinite, and that the universe is also infinite, would anybody like any toast? Outside, there's no sign of atmosphere. Let me fly in the sky. In the sun, sun, sun. Dim, 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 dim.